I'm gonna go to your Chrome, is that okay? Yeah, whatever you need to do, dude. It should, everything should function. I just like the disc is full and that's my new computer. <laughs> like, that <laughs> has such a chintzy small little hard drive on it. It's, yep, yep, it's mine's the same way. I got a solid state drive on that one, so it's, uh, it's gonna work a lot better. Just let me know if you need me to do anything else. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you wanna start recording right yeah, now. Yeah, it's going. Oh, it's going, okay. I can clip it, edit it, whatever. Yeah, as soon as they, they see me, man, they're, you'll see it's, they do not like me at all. Let's see here. Uh, I don't even know where the, I'm trying to find a, a link for, you know what, let me send you over a link and maybe we can open it up through your messenger on here. I'll send that to you. Let me go to. And what's funny is like they told us that we couldn't even rip them off the internet. Um, we got that on in another case, a buddy of mine. We've got the my same judge. We share the share the same judge. Um, but we've got her on video saying, "No, you can't." You can't even download it off YouTube. You can't download it off the internet. We'll hold you in contempt of court. They're doing everything in the- Like you said, did they just make it up for, to suit their purposes? <laughs> yeah. Like, I hate um, I just sent it to you in Messenger here, so if you want to access your Messenger, and um, that should be the link that'll go right to the Seventh. Seventh, okay. Courtroom 102, here we go. Do it the first week of August, or I could do it the last week of August. Jocelyn? Yeah, let me check my calendar. So, my only thing, Your Honor, is I mean, we have been trying to get moving on this case for, for months and months with no co cooperation from Elizabeth. So, Which if I we can know. just have something in the order that she, you know, set up the mediation with that within seven or well, 14 days. Looks like the audio well, is not working. I'm for... not going to put that language in because. Um, counsel told me that she's in rehab, so she's in a process right now. I don't want to. I don't want to set her up to fail. And so there was. And a, we know that she's going to be. So there was an issue with the with the audio. And to relaunch Zoom, maybe. 
I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to let my attorney know that I can't. Um, Technological difference. That's, that's something they got to be understanding of, right? Yeah, oh yeah, they, they got to be. Which, you know, how, how rural are you? Like, you live in Paris, right? Right. Like, you have good internet over there? No. Yeah, God, no. I, you know, some of the stuff, I have to go sit outside the library to do it. Oh, this guy's a real dirtbag right here. Oh. oh, I got good enough 4G on this on my phone. I can live stream. So this guy right here, Michael Strauss, he was the paid lobbyist by the Family Bar Association, and when we were lobbying to try and change legislation, he had admitted, yes, your microphone's not working, uh, he had admitted that, um, that the state stood to lose millions, if not billions of dollars in federal funding if we changed legislation to treat fathers as equals. Have you, uh, so, Arkansas. Well, we'll talk about this on the podcast. Though, but have you? What What is the new law that Arkansas just passed? Have you been following that? Uh, some of it, yeah. So, uh, friends of mine, they're they're more up to speed on the details um, of the law. Dude, I think it's working now. It's working. Okay. But I'm not sure. Oh, that's a buddy of mine too. Holy cow! Yeah. It's usually set up because I put the USB plug into it. Some of this, this is about um, a kind of a sensitive child issue. So I don't know if you wanted to have us in back for this issue. Um, Mr. Strauss is your GAL. I think he, he has a funeral to attend. So we're just trying Strauss. to see what if you could put us in earlier than um, so you could attend that. Yes, of course, Mr. Strauss. Our, my question to you is, Mr. Strauss, do you want to do this today? Because we could continue this another day, Mr. Strauss. This issue has been. Um, Put off, and I don't. I don't want to be the cause of a delay. So if we can get it done, great. But I, I also can see you have a busy call, and I probably need to leave by about ten. No, Mr. Jones, we are going to accommodate you, and everyone else can wait. So we will go into the breakout room. Is Mr. Fitzer here as well? Right? Yes. yes. Well, yeah. Go to your breakout room. So we'll go to the breakout room now, and we'll take care of it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and this is the dirt bag. Can we screenshot this clown? screenshot I think it's what is it uh, shift command uh, S or something like that. Oh, I wish I could get a larger it's only a chat and pin video shift command 3 screenshots yeah I need a bigger I need a bigger um, Yeah, this will get interesting real quick here. Let's see if I can prop this on something. Prop it on the mic. So today I'm over at uh, Forca Mixed Martial Arts here in Russellville with uh, my buddy Brian over here. He's the owner and uh, lead instructor over here. And today I'm going to be on his podcast and just so happened that they changed my court date to today at the same time I'm supposed to be in court so I told Brian last second I'm like hey well how about I come over to the gym and uh, we can still do the podcast and you might get some fireworks from my case today 
So as you can see, we're in Zoom hearing right now. There's Brian. Say hi, Brian. What's up, guys? Cool guy. We're gonna do uh, so. Um, we're gonna do a podcast, and this it's probably gonna be a hybrid thing. We're doing a live feed off of my page. We're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna record a podcast, and I'm gonna be in court all at the same time. So I don't know. We're gonna shoot from the hip on this. I would imagine. Uh, so I don't. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna even start the podcast and do it while we're doing yes, this, I can, I can commentate on a lot of this. Yeah, all right <coughs> do i can do commentary while yeah so how just tell us and do you want to wear headphones yes yeah, sure totally up to you you might want to keep one ear in one out or wait till right. this is over but uh you, you might not be able to hear what they're what they've got going on I'll move this out of the way for you stretch this cord a little bit Dude, so how, uh, so I'm in the studio with Cash Jackson. All right, uh, been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while, man. I follow you on Facebook and uh, just follow some of what I would say your struggle is. Right. Uh, which which is what I wanted to talk to you about. I thought it'd be a fascinating uh, fascinating topic for the podcast. Right. I mean, just being a guy, I've always thought. I mean, I don't have kids, uh, but I'm married now, and I've always been. I've always kind of thought like, oh man, like just base level stuff of like, hey, dads kind of don't get a lot of consideration on family courts. And like, that's someone who knows very little. You're gonna be able to share your experience. But first, how does this online court work? Like, Well, so this is kind of an interesting thing. This was really an ad, a benefit to society that they don't even realize of COVID. Uh, silver linings. Yeah, this is very much a silver lining right now is to, I don't know if people can see the, kind of stick it over here. We'll see. They're, so right now in court, they're in a breakout session. The judge is in basically a closed session with some other attorneys. And this is something that's done frequently here where they, um, they'll they go into chambers and discuss matters. Digital chambers. Right. Interesting. And yeah. And whenever I first saw these kind of play out in court, um, they would go into chambers and you have no idea as a litigant so your attorney goes back there, the opposing counsel attorney, so we're just assuming that both parties have an attorney, they go in the back, they have a discussion with the judge, they come back out, um, and may, it might be like a pre-hearing. Are you, you, so let's say if that happens in regular court, mm -hmm. and you're there, and like, you know, you're, you're physically present, do you go back with them? Nope, Okay. you have no idea what's said, That's, no idea what transpires. What's up with that? Well, exactly. A lot of people don't realize this. And so what we're led to believe is that, of course, they're back there, you know, arguing on behalf of you. But why aren't they doing it out in the open courtroom? Or why aren't you there? That, or that aren't you there? was my initial. Here, let's get this a little closer yeah. just so we can get good audio on you. Just move this around however you so, that? so desire. That's much better. That yeah. sounds better. You can kind of, uh, however well you hear yourself will be how, uh, as well as the audience hears you. Got you. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. No, that oh, that's, yeah, that's great. Uh, so the Zoom hearings is a recent development because of COVID and COVID measures. Many counties like my county, Lake County, which is the 19th Judicial Circuit in the state of Illinois, they instituted Zoom hearings, quote unquote, for the uh, safety of the public. 
Now, what was really funny in my case, because I am an activist and a reformist trying to change the judicial system, especially in this area of law, because this deals with our children, this deals with our families. And to me, it's one of the most overlooked areas of law that needs reform, where criminal justice reform, uh, you know, we take somebody who's accused of a crime, they get due process, a right to an attorney, a right to a trial by jury, and ultimately their their guilt or innocence is decided uh, typically by a jury of your peers and then a decision is made as to what your sentence will be and how you're going to uh, you know pay your penance for whatever harm you did to the public whereas in family court you are there's no right to an attorney there is no right to a trial by jury uh, a lot of the powers and authority that is used in these courts um, is abused every single day. And in my case, partly why I'm broadcasting now for my live page uh, is that for transparency. In my own case, uh, there's been illegal orders entered uh, throughout the duration of this case. It's been ongoing now for six years. I've known that they were illegal. However, I lack the ability to appeal and get to the appeals court oftentimes because I was indigent. I didn't have the money to afford fifteen or $20,000 for an appeals attorney. That's something I, yeah, like you posted a video of you talking with your, maybe it was the judge. That was the guardian ad litem who is the court appointed attorney to represent the children. Okay. So they're kind of the court's eyes and ears. And that video was of a phone call, if that's the same one. It, you, yeah, maybe you're speaking it, yeah talking about one. like, you're about to be out of pocket serious money and nothing, for, for what? For what, exactly. You know, and, and so uh, her name is Sally Lichter. She is the court appointed guardian ad litem. And uh, for, for about $12,000 now, the most progress made in my case, I haven't seen my kids in two years, uh, and the most progress made in my case has been three phone calls with my older son, with my 14 year old son. And just the, the sheer debauchery of the system in itself needs to be shown to the world, and that's what I'm doing. How long has your case been going on? Two years? Six. Six. It's okay. been going on. So since uh, 2014 is when I filed for divorce. My ex-wife and I had been, at that time, separated for two years. So we were geographically separated. The military sent me back out to Washington State. She remained in Illinois with our two minor children in the marital home. Um, and after two years of separation, I decided I'm going to file for divorce. And thus, the throes of family court and the full weight of, of exactly what transpires begin to fall upon me. And as it does many people who walk into these courts suspecting, well, you know, I'm a good guy. You know, you're a taxpaying citizen. You own a business. You've got a reputation. A lot of people would vouch for your integrity and your principles as a man and as a, a husband. And if you had children, they would probably vouch for your abilities as well, a father. In the military, too. Like, I know you're a vet. You just mentioned being, you know, in on duty in Washington and stuff. So, like, that's another thing I take into consideration is like, okay, well, this guy, just based off what little I know about you. like. Right. And two, like, uh, I was joking with Corey about this when I told her you're coming on the podcast. I was like, I was like on your Facebook page, I was like, how does his, how does his new girlfriend put up with it? <laughs> it you know, just kind of like make it, because I know that you've been made out to be, like, you know, I don't even know what you've been made out to be, really. Sure. Because I haven't uh, followed with your case enough to be like, other than just things you've said, right? right. Which is, you're struggling to see your kids, you want to see your kids, you want to be there for your kids, and you got to pay a lot of money if you want to do that. And there's no guarantees maybe. And no guarantees. You have paid a lot of money. A lot. 
That's uh, and have you experienced any? I know you posted about you were going to get to see your son before the outbreak, and that kind of like rained on that parade, right? Like what was what was up with all that? Yeah. So the day of uh, the day that Illinois locked down um, the state was the day I was driving up. In fact, I was um, just north of Clarksville, uh, headed up the pig trail and and, uh, headed up north to go and finally see my son for the first time in 18 months. I had went to court, um, you know, a week or two before and they had said, yeah, you can see him for three days of spring break. And so I was on my way there. And uh, but the mother and her attorney, this guy, Raymond Bolt right here, he's he's not a good person um and either way they had said that well because of the covid lockdown they weren't going to let me see him anyway and so instead of driving 12 hours 13 hours north to get into a dispute with her outside of her home i elected to uh to call the guardian ad litem and my attorney and said hey can we just work out where i do zoom visits for right now and then i'll we'll exercise the parenting time whenever you know the world kind of comes back to some sort of normalcy and um none of that happened no zoom calls or you know no skype calls no video chats no facetime no phone calls no nothing and so uh you know here i am and it's several months later still trying to see my kids you know even after i was awarded three days of parenting time for my son's spring break yeah that's uh that's a struggle uh, well, okay, so how um, your ex-wife is she up against the same? Uh, you are you paying her attorney fees? Like, how does that work? Well, uh, so normally the way that it works is that you know if you have an attorney, I have one who's pro bono, and oh, great, he's a unicorn. Uh, this guy Ted Bush, uh, he is not a family law attorney. He practices another area of law, and we might be the most unique. Uh, team in the nation fighting reform because he himself is also going through his own case and it was his case that opened up his eyes to how bad the system was and he goes man this is broken somebody needs to do something about it well I was running for governor of Illinois in 2018 as a libertarian primarily on this issue Uh, I brought this issue to the forefront using my own case I knew that they would attack me which they did um, if I if I made enough noise, I knew they're going to attack me. They're going to try and um, discredit me. What did, where did what they come at you with? Well, my family law case there in Illinois. Uh, yeah, but I mean, oh, uh, what specifics? What specifics? Oh, okay. So my ex wife had made allegations of abuse, and this is one of the the primary tools and tactics utilized by family law attorneys. What people don't realize is that in family courts. Okay, whenever somebody goes in and seeks an order of protection, and that's ultimately what she sought, was an emergency order of protection claiming that she feared for her life. Now, mind you, I'm 2,000 miles away in the state of Washington and had been for you know two years. So she makes these allegations of abuse or of prior abuse during the marital relationship to gain this order of protection. Now, no evidence was ever presented to gain this. It took place in what's known as an ex parte hearing where you're not present to even defend yourself. Uh, and judges will fail to the safe side, and they'll tell you this. I spoke with the Lake County State's Attorney, Mike Nearheim, and he said, yep, due to some previous case like 20 years ago when a judge didn't issue one of these orders of protection that a woman had sought and her lover or ex-lover had killed her, that they basically fell to the safe side and they just rubber stamp these things and issue them without any regard as to how it impacts your life. And that- can, can guys also 
they do this. but it's far rare i mean you know just within our society alone men you know even men that i've known who were abused physically emotionally financially abused by their wives or by their girlfriends guys just go over to, to their buddy john's house and crash on the couch for a night or two they don't typically file police reports they don't typically go on social media and broadcast that hey my wife punched me in the face they don't they don't do any of that and our society is very much structured to where men have 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 been you know where we just kind of take it on the chin you know the way that we're taught as boys you know you take it on the chin you get up you dust it off and you go on about your business and that's normally what men do but can they and do they abuse that system yes they do um and i've and i've also witnessed that firsthand of women being on the receiving end of allegations and you know people need to understand that uh people like myself that advocate for reform that we never want a child placed in the hands of an abuser. But on the same token, we never want a child to be removed from a good parent on a very low standard of evidence. I mean, the Fourth Amendment protects, just say your business here, from the police entering the premises and seizing your property. So the Fourth Amendment protects your prop your physical property. Well, certainly it's not a stretch to believe that the Fourth Amendment also protects our children that the state can't just come in and with no evidence seize our kids. But they're doing that every single day through these courts as well as through DCFS. Hey, here. I'm Wheel, 14B,
contacted and um, that they said that they cannot do it, okay? But if, if you tell me that you've contacted court reporters in the area and if you tell me that they tell you that they will not come in live, even though the hearing set for live, I will have a court reporter here. You still have to pay for the transcript if you order it, so you will have a court reporter here. If it's Thousands of dollars. Okay. Uh, Your Honor, again, I, I just want to state that the, the court found a lectures, the appellate court found a lectures. Mr. Bush, I want to make it clear. I've made my ruling. I've denied your motion, and we're setting these matters for hearing. We're setting them on July 27, July 28. They will be here live in the courthouse. Despite again, COVID measures. That's Raymond Bolt. He's a real tool, this guy. He defends pedophiles, but hates veterans, this guy. No financial affidavit for for the ex-wife, though. Six months of bank statements. Okay, thanks very much. 
Thank you, Your Honor. If there's a problem with the date, I'll let you know. I'm also informed Ms. Lickler and Ms. Sloan they have problems with the date, okay? Yeah, let, call, me know, let me know. Let me know sooner than later because, again, I want to get this matter set, and in order for me to get it set, I have to coordinate with Judge Biz because he has to cover my call so that I can do this hearing. Okay? I understand, Judge. I will be calling both Ms. Slobey and Ms. Lickler today and communicating with Mr. Bush and, of course, to the court. Okay. Thank you very much. So, Your Honor, just one last quick question. I have your authority to put in the order that the court's denying the 304A finding because it finds that the order entered on June 19, 2019 is interlocutory. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. We'll even, you know what, I'll tell you what, we'll leave this up for a little bit. We'll just leave that up and let them, maybe we'll, we can mute it. And if you want to, if you want to listen to any of what's transpiring there in a minute, we can. And you can get some kind of more insight into, you know, what's happening inside the courtroom. Because this is what a lot of people don't get to see. And so you're able to get just a snippet there of what it looks like. Now, you know, her behavior and mannerisms are pretty similar to what. I got a little tripod if you want for that. Yeah, we can. Hold on. I'm trying to find a good spot to put it to catch us both. So you guys heard that. My hearing is, or now they're setting this for hearing. She is denying our motion for a 304A. And uh, she's setting aside, she said, uh, a two, two full days um, for a hearing. And that's going to cost a metric butt ton of money. And as you asked me earlier, well, who pays for this? Uh, well, if her and her attorney prevail, where's my attorney now? Hey, buddy. Yeah, I was on. I was I was there, but I was underneath Brian Wilson. Uh, Brian Wilson of the Beast Boys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, wouldn't it be nice if we had a court that followed the law, right? Oh, wouldn't um, it? Yeah. Uh, but what you just saw in your podcast just recorded was the judge openly deciding the fight in the appellate court ruling. Well, this is this is a little technical. Uh, uh, there are several ways to explain the order, and the orders are usually subdivided into two categories. One is called interlocutory order, which is basically a temporary order, an order that's in progression to a final order, and then there's final orders. So what we did is she appealed to the appellate order entered on June 19, 2019, that barred you from participating in the Zoom hearing. Uh, we, we appealed that to the appellate court interlocutory order, meaning this was not a, you know, this was not a final order. This was a intermediate order of the entire controversy. And the appellate court kicked it back and said, no, this is not an interlocutory order. This is a final order. So then we would just went back to Judge Christensen, and Judge Christensen is denying us the ability to go back to the appellate court because she's claiming that this order is an interlocutory order and open defiance to the appellate court that ruled it clearly in their opinion that the, the order field was not interlocutory. Yep, and it's on video. So she, 
so she thinks that we're not going to be able to go back on this. You know, and she gave me the authority to, to, to write into the order that she's denying our motion for 304A because it's not interlocutory. When, when, when the appellate court, so, I mean, I'm just going to send this order to the appellate court, and they're going to see clearly that, I mean, I don't even know if I need a, a record of this proceeding, but we have it, obviously. Yeah, I probably will send it. And, and including the video of this proceeding, and they can see for themselves. You know, we didn't have a hearing. We didn't have the ability to be heard. And we, we weren't able to hear the basis of her ruling other than the summary rulings in the beginning, claiming that the order is not interlocutory when the appellate court already made a binding ruling. The appellate court, or the appellate court is the superior court. They made, an, they made a ruling. They made an opinion. And she just defied it. And what's really funny is I filed a motion in my own case yesterday where I dug up the law that says that the lower court has bound big surprise by opinions of the appellate court. The appellate court's opinion is the law of the case, meaning, meaning it's binding. And she just, she just openly debated. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's partly what we're doing here today, Ted, is to, uh, you know, for me to discuss some of these issues with Brian. So it just, we just kind of lucked out and we were able to catch some of this on video. So it, it uh, might go up on his podcast. Well, you know, I'll let you guys get on with your business. But, I mean, that's, that's what happened. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing else to discuss. It's, it's, I, I can go in and I can pull up the opinion and I can read it verbatim. That, that, Ted, Ted, why don't you just pull it up real quick and just read that that specific piece from from the uh, the opinion from the appeals court, saying that it's uh, whether it is or isn't. Okay. Ted, if you weren't if you weren't my pro bono attorney, what would it have cost me just for the one trip to the appeals court for for a normal appeals attorney that that's the area of law that they practice in? Well, most of them most of them will tell you fifty thousand uh, dollars. I think that because this law is a nice So, so what about multiple trips to the appeals court? So this would be our second time back up to the appeals court. So what, what would two to three times to the appeals court cost? Her best course was to appeal, and her attorney said it's going to cost you a bunch 
and she says, I can't afford it, so they never appeal. So that was this poor woman just strung out for an extra, for an extra year, when a appellate court decision would have been made a long time ago, and, and she was denied access to the appellate court while retaining one of the, supposedly, some of the best uh, family law attorneys in the Chicago area, a very large law firm. And, and that's, the, that's just the fact, is that, is that you know, if people who, who've had their rights violated are denied access to the appellate court, and most of the time, the person that's denying them access is their own counsel. Right. Uh, all right, so here. Ted, hey, Ted, you're breaking up a little bit, so I don't know if you have a better spot you can go to to, to read it. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's a little bit better. Okay, so this is this is paragraph 13 of the appellate court opinion. This this is Jackson contends that we have jurisdiction to hear this appeal under Illinois Supreme Court Rule 307A1, which provides that an appeal may be taken from an interlocutory of court refusing to deny an injunction. There is no doubt that the trial court's order of June 19, 2020 denied all the declaratory injunctive relief sought in Jackson's petition. Further, because it rejected the legal arguments supporting the request for injunctive relief, it also functioned as an implicit denial of Jackson's request for a CRO. However, the appeal does not follow in the scope of Rule 307 because the June 19 order is not interlocutory. That's a direct quote. And then she's turning around and saying it is. I like this <laughs> one. court justices rule straight up that this is not an interlocutory appeal. This is a final judgment on a, on a, on a petition, meaning you file a petition. The petition is signed tonight. The matter is settled. It's, it's done. There's no, you know, if they granted it, then it would be an interlocutory order. Then you would have an order. But what they're saying is that when, an, when you file for an injunction that is denied, Yep. Openly. Yep, openly. Well, dude, hey, thanks for reading that, man. We're going to finish up this podcast, and I'll tell you what, I'll give you a call when I get on the road. Take care. All right, brother. See ya. Maybe I should have that guy on the podcast. Dude, he, you should. I, I would. Very I would. I would be down. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I haven't, uh, to my knowledge, one of my best friends was an attorney for a few years, but um, he then started working for Stryker Medical and now works for Abner. They do like these spinal implants, right? For like for like pain blockers and stuff. Oh wow! Right. So for people that have like severe issues, like right. it allows them to be able to not like, be mobile. Yes. Uh, but so, but he, but he basically sits in on people's surgeries that are getting these products oh, wow. put in their body. He wow. sits there that way. If there's any questions, any questions. But he he was an attorney. But I don't think I've had an attorney on the podcast. So, the, uh, but that's dude. That's the cool thing about the podcast is I try and like. I talk to somebody, they tell me about something, then I read that book, and boom, now I'm trying to have the author on. Research it. You know? Absolutely. <clears throat> so that, it's, it continues the narrative of what the podcast is doing. Like, right. okay, well, hey, now we're talking about family law. Family law. So, yeah. Well, that's a, that's an interesting and a first of, on a podcast that I attended digital court. I've only seen <laughs> these things. Uh, I've seen you posting about them, so that's uh You don't want to be involved, I, I promise you. Man, um, you know, first off like i have i don't i don't have any kids myself right but i have empathy for you probably just because 
I don't know. You're you're a dude, and I'm a dude. I don't know. I don't know why. Sure. I, I, I've I've developed more empathy as as well, an adult. We're, we're human beings. But um, that's something like I wanted to talk to you about. Like, what do you have you done any research on, or do you talk about the connection of like empathy in children and a father in the home? Mm-hmm. Or do you, do you? I I don't really get too much into the um, to the psychology. Uh, of having the father in the home. However, uh, I would encourage you to uh, to read through the ACE studies, if you're not familiar with those. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, the ACE studies is, is basically, uh, it's one of the largest studies conducted by the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. And basically, they took a test group of children and followed them into adulthood, and they tracked uh, uh, these different traumas that they experienced throughout their childhood and how that impacted them into their adulthood. So essentially, you know, you take a child and you assess their social uh, environment, their, you know, their, all of their home environment, and you, they tracked what specific events occurred and they kind of basically were able to, you know, categorize and score these individuals on how likely they were to experience uh, adverse issues as an adult because of the adverse issues they experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, compelling study that supports what it is that I'm advocating for, which is number one, uh, tremendous reform inside the judicial system as they're dealing with families because what they are in fact doing is they are contributing to all of the major social ills that our society endlessly debates. We, uh, you're a professor at a college, right? So uh, education would probably be extremely important to you and how many kids are or are not dropping out of high school. Well, whenever your likelihood of dropping out of high school significantly increases for any number of reasons, we as a society, I believe, have a moral responsibility to assess what reasons contribute mm-hmm. to the likelihood of you dropping out of high school. and. The fatherless effect in this nation, I believe, is the single greatest contributing factor, and it breaks out of three separate large-scale domestic policies over the last 50 years that are failing our nation. Uh, Family law being one of, I think, the most undiscussed issue. The other two would be what I would say is the failed war on drugs, and then the third one would be the welfare state that the three of these combined is what is incentivizing and creating over 20 million American children growing up absent their biological fathers. You didn't just have 20 million dads wake up and go, mm, I'm going to ignore all of my basic instincts to protect and provide for my offspring. That didn't happen. So we have to assess how is this large scale outflux of fathers occurring? Mm-hmm. Why are these dads not involved? Is it that they're just, you know, absent deadbeat dads who don't want to raise their kids. Yeah, or is yeah. there more to the story? Well, yeah. So that I was just thinking about that right before you said that. It's like it almost seems like you should be in a different like there should be different branches like, oh, hey, you were never married to this person. You never shared a residence with them. You're going down this lane right here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you were married to this person. Y'all shared a residence. You have two biological kids together. You're the only time uh, that either one of you has been married. Like, it kind of seems like it could be problematic lumping those two lanes together and then taking to get, uh, into account anything that's in the middle. 
right um that was if that was a spectrum not i I wouldn't say necessarily that there would that that would be problematic uh because i i think if we were to kind of uh you know look at both of these situations both of them uh have somebody you know uh say a, a a man and a woman who have a child whether or not they were married or or were were able to gather any sort of appreciable assets during the course of a relationship to me is really irrelevant uh what is what is the most relevant is is does the child will that child have equal access to two fit parents and ultimately because even if you're raised in poverty you know being raised in poverty isn't necessarily uh, um, you know the deciding factor on whether or not somebody is successful in their life many of us myself included came from very impoverished homes and are able to work our way up through you know the 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 economic ladder if you will and better ourselves in in ultimately what's hurting these children more especially in the impoverished communities is how difficult it is to have a father involved when it's incentivized to not have them involved for example for a say a a mother a single mother living at and below the poverty line who would be eligible for medicaid she for her to access and use those medicaid funds she's going to have to name a father now this loops in another whole subset of issues in paternity fraud which is a unique crime to men yeah that's what that's what i was thinking a second ago yeah yeah and so because there are many many instances where a father is or a man is named on the birth certificate or he's named as the father and there's no dna evidence to prove that Mm. now in in states like michigan uh, there's a a guy that i know up there by the name of carnell uh, i believe his last name is alexander and he had a a terrible paternity fraud case where he was imprisoned and for a child that was proven not to be his and this is occurring a lot within you know far more than the general public realizes this is fraud and it is fraud that is not pursued it's fraud that is not punished that's some i've always wondered how what do you know anything else about that like they do they have to name a, a parent on the birth certificate uh, like why is there no required dna uh, test for the, the name to go on the certificate that's crazy to me well i mean it could be seen as an invasion of privacy of medical privacy that if a if somebody didn't want to give it you know, because uh, then are, are we're going to go to where the state mandates it. I believe that that's state overreach. I believe what should happen is that uh, it should become a societal norm of moms and dads go, look, we're going to have the DNA test. You know, we're going to ensure that, you know, and it's not to, you know, this is a difficult, tough, uh, touchy subject, because if you're a man and you say to your, you know, suspecting mother of your child, hey, I want to get a DNA test. How do you think that's going to go over? In, in many relationships, not very well. However, I think if the general public knew how many cases of fraud are occurring, and it sucks, it sucks, but I would rather know as a man that my wife or you know who I thought was going to be the mother of my child had had an affair, she cheated on me, she got pregnant by another man. I would rather know that at the onset than 10 years down the road our relationship's dissolving and she gets angry and she tells me, oh, by the way, little Johnny's not yours. He's your best friend, Bobby's. You know what I mean? But then guess what? Guess who's now on the hook for the child support? You are. Really? You are. 
Not to mention what has just transpired, what's happened to these children when they find out, oh, Brian's not my father. Now, not only are you not the father, so now you're devastated, your relationship's ending. And you're going to have to pay to go through the court system to get a DNA test. Can you get a DNA test at that point 10 years down the road? In some states, like the state of Michigan, there is a time requirement. I think it's four years in the state of Michigan. And so what if you don't know for the first four years? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. It's what happened to Cornell. They say, sorry, sir, you have to contest paternity within the first four years. You didn't contest paternity within the first four years. It's not our fault that you didn't find out to the child was nine, that it wasn't yours. Um, you're still going to be liable for child support. Even if there's a DNA. Yep. Oh, man. And so you're talking large scale fraud that took place where this individual, number one, you know, had you raising these children as your own. I mean, it's a it's a terrible moral transgression. Yeah, I get it. The emotional connection. Right. Right. Like, so when you were just starting to talk about that, it's like, uh, well, that's a unique moral issue, too, because like it, it, it begs the question, if you knew, would you just abandon your companion and your potential kid, which is not actually yours? Or, like, which is worse, the emotional toll before or after? Right. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And, and people have um, people have kind of, uh, you know, lectured me on the fact that I've been very open with my children about this court case. Uh, they're 14 and 12. And I have been very open with them about that, uh, about what's transpired. You know, at least when I had contact with them, I was what, what age uh, in their state do they get to have any choice or say so in all this? That's that's kind of a misnomer. Um, it's, it's not it's, really it's always judicial discretion they can put a number down there 14 13 years old and it'll always come back to the discretion of the judge because the judge could say well the 13 year old i don't believe in my professional judge opinion is mature enough to make that choice they appear to be too immature whatever whatever arbitrary reasons they want to use for dismissing the child's wants they can do that if they want to with judicial discretion now like in this case where you saw and you heard my attorney cite exactly what the appeals court said, that the previous order was not an interlocutory order, and she's saying that it is, but the appeals court was very clear in their language and their opinion that they had just uh, issued a couple of weeks ago that it's not. Now, even with the evidence that we have, and that's clear, crystal clear evidence, right? She just basically committed, you know, a crime. You know, she just spit in the appeals court's face. She enjoys what 99.99% of the world will never enjoy, which is absolute immunity. There's a lot of talk in this nation about qualified immunity, and there's a difference. Absolute immunity is a step above qualified immunity. And uh, typically somebody with qualified immunity would be a state employee, like a police officer or a DCFS worker, and they're going to fall underneath an umbrella of, of qualified immunity. Judges fall underneath a higher tier of protection, which is absolute immunity. And there's a really interesting uh, U.S. Supreme Court case uh, out of Texas. I don't remember the name of it. But uh, in this case, it was during a criminal trial. The judge ordered the police to go pick up this criminal trial attorney who was not present for court. Which, okay, maybe not that big of a deal that he's sending the police to go get this criminal trial attorney to be present in court. But what he did next is what was really egregious. He ordered the police to rough up the attorney prior to bringing him back to his court. 
So issue a beat down for not coming to my court when you're supposed to be. Was it like a schedule conflict? Did he, was he intentionally not there? I, that I'm not certain. I haven't, I haven't, I, guess it I didn't research that. the case in detail. Yeah, because it, it, it really doesn't matter because the, the facts are, and these are not, uh, the, these facts are not disputed, that the judge ordered the police to beat up this criminal uh, uh, defense attorney before bringing him to us court. Right, so he ordered his Gestapo to go and issue a, you know, to have a beat down go down. This went all the way up to U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court came back and said, uh, yeah, he did it while he was acting in his official capacity. He has absolute immunity. There's nothing more to the story. And that was it. Hmm. That was it. And that is literally, I mean, a judge can literally send the police to beat you up and drag you in front of their court, and because of absolute immunity, there's nothing that you can do to them. Yeah, that's... That's wild. So, what what sort of changes are you advocating for? Like, what is what is your 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 platform of reform? Like, what are your ideas about things that we could do as as a nation to to fix this? Well, number one is things just like this. This should be a standard and should have been a standard whenever Skype came I agree. out. Um, I agree. And our ability to now, this judge right here, Judge Christensen, who's talking, maybe we'll hear her for a second. We should be able to record all of this, which you're doing right now, um, and I was doing, but we should be able to record this and brought, this is a public court hearing. If we weren't doing this via Zoom. We could go sit in. You could sit there with me. What's the difference? Exactly. What is the difference? And why aren't they, okay, so I know Russell, for example, they just started doing things um, like streaming live, mm -hmm. a lot of city council meetings and stuff like that. Are we just like in has the pandemic kind of got us to that threshold where it's like, OK, we're making the switch and this is the, the pushback that we're getting? Well, I, I, I believe that what will happen um, if I had to guess, they don't like this at all. They don't like not having control. OK, this is a virtual courtroom right now and they have no control. They have no control over me and you sitting here commentating and we could listen and record and, you know, uh, make clips and send them out and. And that's what the public should be doing is is so one of those top reforms that we need is transparency that it's tossed out all the time transparency transparency this isn't a complex thing that we're talking about nor is it uh, extremely expensive with today's technology we could they could be live streaming these proceedings to the general public across youtube or any other which i like, i know it, it makes sense that they're not because that's like uh, like i said russellville just turned that corner mm -hmm. but like oh man it just they i'm kind of surprised that really nobody is right like all of these things that we could go sit in on right they have the means and the ability and the technology and really a responsibility a civic responsibility to allow that like especially or nobody's going to go to to events like they once did for a while longer right, right? uh and then too it's like before the pandemic even broke out and Russellville was streaming local stuff, there's tons of people's like, man, I'm sitting at home drinking some wine mm -hmm. and I got, I got some Bob Dylan playing in the background or right. whatever. Right. And I'm just sitting here listening to the city council meeting. Right. And it's, you know, like why can't we take a, a place in civic events from our house? I mean, when there's the ability to do so, like I don't want to go down to city hall and right. sit and sit in and build. 
You should be able to do this. Yeah. In the comfort of your home. Or like the, particularly the ability to watch it after the fact. Right. Like I'm, I'm almost always teaching class in the gym when something goes on. So when they legally rezoned our property two times, hmm. they didn't even notify us at all. Right. Zero notification. So I couldn't have gone anyway because I didn't know it was happening. Happened. But then I would have had to like, hey, you, Adam, can you teach my class? Because I got to go over here to the city. County. You know, right. And when it's like, uh, oh, hey, uh, you guys get working. I'm going to go log in over here. I'm still at the gym. I can I can zoom in and be like, hey, uh, I object to you illegally rezoning. Oh, right. You're, you can't do it. <laughs> right. It was yeah. an interesting point that you make there about them of no notice. So. A primary aspect of due process as it pertains to these courts is notice. Notice of motion, uh, a motion being filed for whatever purpose. And, and you know, uh, in my own case, there was no notice of motion, there was no motion, and there was uh, no finding of endangerment. So these are some of the requirements in due process before severing contact or infringing on parenting time with children. In my own case, uh, contact with my daughter was severed in March of 2018. And the general public is is just like I was six years ago. The general public will say to themselves, there's no way a judge is just going to sever contact with no reason. Yes, they will. And they do for the most arbitrary reasons. And they violate state law, all of the state and federal law, all of the time. And the largest reason for that is due to a lack of transparency and no accountability because they have um, absolute immunity. So we need to end absolute immunity when it's a clear-cut violation of state and federal law. They should there should be criminal punishments for what they're doing because they know full well what they are doing. They're not ignorant to the law. They just simply choose to manipulate it for an outcome that's desirable to them for whatever purpose. Maybe it's because those attorneys were 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 um, in closed chambers or in a breakout room with the judge where you weren't privy to their conversation? Why? What are they discussing about this case that you can't be privy to it? It's your case. Yeah, yeah. It's literally your case. I mean, we're not talking about a criminal trial here or, or um, you know, I mean, if they're talking about, you know, the sensitive nature, uh, you know, like w with children and particular circumstances, family courts are not equipped for most of what goes on there anyway. Because in my own case, the allegations made against me would be criminal but they weren't made in a criminal court. Why? We, you know, the general public, again, will not ask themselves these questions because they don't understand an order of protection. They think, well, the court issued it. Well, there's separate areas of the court, right? There's civil court, there's criminal court, there's probate court. Who issued it? Well, in a family court. Okay, well, what goes on in a family court? Well, one, there's no recordings. Two, the judge is immune to whatever illegal decisions that they make. Three, Due process is violated systemically all across this country every single day, and the, the unsuspecting person does not know it's even transpiring. They don't know. You're going to trust your attorney. Yeah. I was talking with Cora about this because I read, ironically, about this in Rome, like, like ancient Rome, mm -hmm. is that you, you in the Republic, no commoner knew what the fuck was going on. Right. Like at all. They had to find a patron, mm -hmm. somebody like your attorney. Right. that knows the law and get them to do pro bono and be like, look, you're getting fucked here and I'm going to help you out because okay. I know the law and you're, you're because of your class, you're never going to know the law. Like right. that's how it's set up. Right. Like that's, 
so I was, I was telling Corey, I was like that, that kind of, it kind of blows my mind. Cause I was like, think about the key things that we, uh, do because we're business owners, like the amount of taxes we pay. Mm-hmm. And just, I was like, we don't understand any of that. No. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I mean, I was like, we, we kind of do, but we have this attorney over here or this, uh, we have a tax attorney, but we also have our accountant and they're, they're both really good. But it's like, because that shit is so complicated. Right. And it's like, I've even had business classes. I run a business. I have a master's degree. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm, I'm not stupid. Like I've, you know, and it's like, okay. So I was telling her this too. It's like, look, I even teach history and politics, mm-hmm. right? Like I've had several political science classes and the amount of things that I can tell you about how Congress works is pretty limited. You know what I'm saying? And right. it's like, so it's like, that's a by design thing yes. for me. It's like, uh, and two, I have a problem that's like, look, people beneath me, class wise on those, on the social rung of the ladder, they have to be able to understand what's going on. It cannot be so complicated right. that you don't know, like you're saying that your, that your rights are being violated. violated. I remember this is kind of somebody made fun of me for this, but I remember when someone told me like, yeah, even if you never married somebody and you knocked them up, you could still got to pay child support. And I was like, holy shit. Oh yeah. Like I found that out when I was like 19 and I was like, I'm so lucky. (laughs) Right. But it's, uh, that kind of blew my mind. But then, you know, things I've learned since and it's like following along with your uh, situation for the last year or so. It's just like, I'm, I'm like that that meme that like looks over and right <laughs> like, like holy shit, shit is shit that, that really going that on that actually happens well more than likely what will happen because they so you heard her say it's going to be in person why I can we could pull up right now we could pull up right now the video of the Lake County Public Service announcement that says it's like a two and a half minute long video that says all hearings criminal civil and otherwise will be via zoom zoom for the safety of the public i wonder if the court's going to develop like their own zoom platform or something like that well they should i mean they should all have them it should be a requirement that these things are all streamed to the general public and that would curb a lot of this behavior especially because people that's what people would do they would start chopping up these ridiculous rulings by these judges and they're intelligent enough to go, okay, well, let me look at the Illinois state statutes, right? Let me look at, you know, Mr. Jackson's, the, the appeal court opinion and see what they said. Oh yeah, the appeals court said just two weeks ago, yeah, it's not an interlocutory order. Two weeks later, Judge Christensen says uh, on a Zoom feed, it is an interlocutory order. And so the average person can go, well, that's not right because the appeals court just told you it wasn't. And I wonder if all of this is just like looping back to the NSA servers or something too. All of these, oh, I have all of these same records. Oh and stuff. yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Like I've thought about that several times. I'm like, because it it does. It, it's kind of shocking to me that the courts and I'll say I haven't seen colleges use Zoom, mm-hmm. and I know a therapist that she can't use it because there's some sort of liability. Right. But um, it's interesting to me that like how big Zoom has become like overnight. Like I'm mm-hmm. not even gonna lie, I never even heard of it before right. the pandemic. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I, I like other people I know had, but like, and then too, as soon as the pandemic uh, kicked off, I knew we friends. Yeah, go ahead. I knew friends that were. Um, like yeah i bought a bunch of zoom stock today you know i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah it's smart good job it's smart yeah any of the, any of that technology be, would be smart to invest in but um 
Oh, I think uh, one other point I didn't hit on when you asked about reform was uh, it's just a national standard of uh, a rebuttable presumption of uh, equal shared parenting, 50-50. You know, uh, you do half. You know, if you and Cora were to have a child and for whatever reason your relationship dissolved, then then you both take equal time and opportunity to raise that child. And, you know, that one of the largest issues that we have is that um, – you know, as a society, we still view that, that women are better caretakers than men. Uh, and I think that they're better in some aspects and regards because whether you believe in God or nature, uh, I believe that women are inherently better nurturers than what men are and men are just better protectors. We're, you know, more physically intimidating and imposing and we carry more muscle mass. And, um, and typically with testosterone, you know, we are more aggressive. Um, and, and so there's, there's, you know, those differences, but we complement one another. And I think that that's yeah, why it's, it's so important that we, ha that a child has that balance in, in our society, they're not getting that balance because of those three large domestic policies that are incentivizing and creating fatherless homes. When we look at the, the violence in the South side of Chicago, which comes up frequently, uh, East St. Louis, Atlanta, New Orleans, um, especially amongst the African-American community, you have 55 to 70% of all children growing up in a single parent home, and that is equated to uh, you know, uh, being a single mother, right? When we say single parent home, 85 to 95% of all single parents are mothers um, and not fathers. And so again, we have to ask ourselves why. The war on drugs implemented 40, uh, 40 nearly 50 years ago, that is what began the removal of fathers out of the black community, right? So where they lacked economic opportunities, men do what men have to do to provide. And for many of them, they resorted to the black market. They resorted to selling drugs. And in doing so, as the war on drugs, you know, really took off, we began removing fathers out of the home. And then, you know, with three strike rules, I mean, you know, three counts of, of possessing marijuana, you're you're gone for you know Dude, for a very long time. This is what blows my mind is that, uh, and I've seen multiple people bring this up is that I can have it. I have a card. Mm -hmm. I can have it. It's 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 good. We're good. But yet somebody a state over is serving hard time, right? For the same for thing. the same thing. I mean, like hard time, right? Like what you're like. And people are making millions, if not billions of dollars on that industry right now. Now, and you know, the fact that we still have people incarcerated for that, again, it, it just shows to, to me, it alludes to how much government has gotten this wrong. I mean, it's, to me, it's just a, a glaring example that just like you said, you could have it legally here. Now, I'm of the opinion, you don't need a license. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Trump signed a right to try um, uh, executive order. You know, a right to try law, you know, and he does a lot of things I don't agree with, but signing right to try, you know, that if, if you're term, a terminally ill patient and uh, there's a medication that's not approved by the FDA, you have the right to use that medication to try and save your own life, even even though it's not been through FDA approval. And we should have that right as human. Um, I mean, you might experience severe back uh, back pain or arthritis. You should be able to treat yourself if you want to use Kratom or you yeah. want to use you know, cannabis, that's your business. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I've had a doctor tell me, like, hey, based off of the things you say when you come in here, you you probably have fibromyalgia. And I'm like, hey, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But they're like, well, you know what people would call fibromyalgia, like you have nerve pain. 
here, 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 and here. Like, right. that's what fibromyalgia is. Like, yeah, it may be a little more articulated, but it's like you're 30. Right. I wonder how this is going to get get for you as you get older. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, yeah. I can tell you at 42, man, <laughs> they get, the pains yeah. get worse. Yeah, man. You know, I'll say, like, and, uh, you know, it's funny, Joe Rogan hates on chiropractors all the time, mm-hmm. but I see this neck specialist in Moralton. Okay. And, and he's the only, like, I've had some alleviation of pain and symptoms from seeing a chiropractor and getting an alignment, getting popped. But this dude lays you on your side, and he, he ratchets you into this this thing. It, like, puts this thing down on your C1 and your C2. Oh, it's wow. like a piston. Okay. And he ratchets it in, and it applies six pounds of pressure. It goes, and you don't even, because it's, it's it's on your vertebrae really? when he does it, right? So you don't feel it, it, it do anything except release. Hmm. It like pushes in and releases Release. real fast. But dude, it's weird. Like I have a lot of nerve pain on this side when he does it. He does it on this side. Mm-hmm. And then I will get past that and I will have like no pain in my shoulders for like six weeks. Wow. Actually, I've made it as long as three months. Wow. Without having to go back and see him. And he's like, you go back and see him and just does it again and you're good. Right. I'm like, but that is like such a fascinating thing to me. He's like, yeah, you had it weighs a lot and you've been punched in it a bunch. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it's weird because like I can tell when I'm kind of like feeling out because like my head does feel tilted right. to one side. And his thesis, and I don't understand all the science behind any of it. Like my friend Derek is in chiropractor school. He did the music for the lead in for the podcast. And okay. he's, he's been going there forever. And when he talks about shit, I'm like, dude, you're blowing my mind. Like right. the, the things that they learn in terms of anatomy and physiology, I'm just like, Whoa. Yeah. But this guy's little process is is fascinating to me. I would like to check that out. Yeah, Doctor York's his name. He's mm-hmm. he's one of only a few guys uh, that does this procedure in like the whole world. Wow. And he's in Moralton, Arkansas. Moralton, Arkansas. But uh, it's funny. Like I'm friends with this chiropractor on um, Facebook, and he was like, "Yeah, Doctor York's the man." I was just like, "All right, cool. All right, take yeah. your word for it." Yeah, which he. Um, uh, I don't remember how one one of the people here at the gym told me about him, and I, like I was I was having like that neck pain would manifest in like my collarbone on the front mm-hmm. and stuff. But his whole thesis is that you, like the interior pelvic tilt, okay, the issue with your hips being off balance. Right. He has this little laser he puts on you to show you if your hips are off balance and oh, the degrees and stuff. I bet yeah. Are, yeah. Well, so that's like kind of like the dude very scientific. Like puts you like, hey, see how your hips are out. Like we're gonna. He he gives you all this data and then he's like, Hey, see how we we made an improvement here. Wow. Right? It's ten ten degrees difference. Wow. But his thesis is it's your it's your neck being out that messes your hips up. Mm. And he's like everybody's like, Yeah, your hips messed up, it's your body you know, it's you got sciatica, it's your piriformis muscle, and it's like, Well, what's causing that? Right. And then he goes into his big spill. So I get my first time with him, I was like all right. Like he's, he goes <laughs> yeah. through, the, like he, he really educates you when you're, when you're your first time and you're just like, all right, he gets I'm, into it. I'm bought in. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. But yeah, it's, um, that's, uh, that's been something that I've been treating myself with. It's, it's made a difference. Well, and I'm, it, I'm glad to find stuff that makes a difference. And you should have that right. And that's where, um, you know, I, I you know, I go back and forth uh, to a great degree with, um, you know, more so people from that are more liberal than what I am. And uh, I'm, you know, kind of right leaning libertarian. And so, you know, when, when you get into like, um, uh, you know, is there a, a right to have medical care? Is that a human right to have medical care? 
And it's a difficult discussion to have uh, because as human beings, of course, we all want to be empathetic mm-hmm. and, um, and feel for our fellow human beings. And I'm of the position that, you know, more deregulation from the government, less government intervention, because it's been government intervention and regulation that has significantly increased the cost to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what makes it difficult for competition to spring up in the United States. And some interesting things that I saw um, while running for governor was, you know, basically, you know, doctors bringing back like family care um, practices where they cut out all insurance, they cut out all middlemen, and basically you could walk in and it's like, you know, like a menu mm-hmm. at, you know, at Panera. And you can go in and go, okay, an x-ray is going to cost me 50 bucks. And you know, that's, there it is. It's not $300 for a bag of saline solution. Or exactly. Like you know, yeah. and so they, they eliminate all of these middlemen and in um, some of them, they kind of have like a hybrid where they'll take some insurance like uh, Medicaid or Medicare. They might take a, a portion of that, but the majority of them are, um, that are doing this, uh, they're getting rid of all of those or they're trying to. And if we could open up you know, that area of medicine mm-hmm. to where it was like that, I believe then you're going to see uh, a much broader increase in competition across the United States and lowering of costs for all people, making making legitimate healthcare far more accessible to the average person. Yeah, yeah. Let's pause on that note real quick. I'm gonna take a leak so we can keep this thing going. Let's do it. You wanna water or anything? Tasty. I am. Um, Dude, I need a, I've got extenders for all of these, but reposition your, right. your chair however you want. I'm set up to do, like this is plenty big enough to do four people, even to set somebody right there to run like a command station. I'm, I'm really deep on thought on how I'm going to do multiple cameras in here. Mm. Because that one's great, but like I want a shot of your face and a shot of my face. That's why I like Zoom. Right. Doing with doing people out of town, it can get both of us, and it switches automatically. Right. I personally don't like to do one where it's like shows me and you it, it, the entire time because, dude, while I'm saying something, you you might just be like, like you are now, right? Listening attentively, right? And sometimes when I see both people and like one person's talking, the other one's just like. yeah the whole time they have like this emotionless look on their face but it's a listening look you know but it's like i like the uh, just on the person talking so i'm kind of trying to figure out how to do multiple cameras and Mm. and and not have to switch it myself okay so no oh i I bet you i could have somebody solve that problem for you yeah i've got an endless supply of people that know how to do shit that i don't know how to do that's like um, a supply. I'm, I'm starting to have more podcasters on the podcast, and like, yeah. hey, what's your trade secrets? Like yeah, yeah. I give you some. I'll, I don't mind sharing my trade yeah. secrets. Yeah. I mean, when I've got live feed with 1,300 people on the live feed, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? We, t- we, we I talked with you about that before. You, um, you do have a an amazing following. I had never, and, and this was you know the day that I quit my job. Did you see that? Did you? I was following loosely with that. So um, I was on my way to go work offshore in Gulf of Mexico. Uh, Worked for a great company doing uh, undersea robotics. Interesting. Cool fucking job. So I was a remotely operated vehicle pilot slash technician. So 
we not only did we work on the rovs we put them below the ocean floor and worked for the oil industry out there doing fucking you know working on oil sites and so a cool job paid pretty good good benefits and it was supposed to be a month on month off rotation 28 out 28 in and i was for my first four hitches that i did uh, but then when COVID hit then it went to shit and and so i was at home like many other people i didn't file for unemployment though i could have uh i didn't because i was like no you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be back to work here pretty soon and by the time it takes me to fucking fill out all the paperwork and get an answer well, i'll be back at work anyway so oh, you know i wasn't gonna do it and but during that time frame you know i i also had a lot more time of revisiting you know the area of family law and that movement i'd kind of taken a large break after i ran for governor and um but then i got back into it you know really during that four months that i was off and so i became the vp of public advocacy for the father's rights movement a nonprofit organization fighting to benefit you know uh you know the lives of fathers in this country and they asked me to come on board their team be a board member they wanted me to be the vp of public advocacy because i just i care so much it appears as though i don't care in the things that i do most people won't do you know i'll put on my dress uniform from the military with full medals and i'll invert an american flag and go to the white house like that the average veteran 99.99% of veterans out there would never, ever do that. Never. Dude, I'll tell you something that's like seared into my brain uh, in terms of like uh, terms of iconic images associated with like what you just said is um, seeing the Vietnam vets throw their medals right over mm -hmm. the over the fence, fence. at the White House. Like, dude, that's powerful. Oof. That's and you know what that is? That is the product of men who have discovered how they've been used you know and i'm proud of my military service don't get me wrong okay and how long how long did you serve i did 20 years wow i did a full 20 well, 17 yeah. to 37 years old had a top secret clearance deployed all over the world uh circumnavigated the globe learned how to remote control underwater robots learned all kinds of cool <laughs> shit you know and it was an amazing fucking time you know as a, as a young man to develop into my uh late 30s you know, i was 37 years old when i retired from the navy get a pension that's get, great get medical get college benefits plenty of positive things to take from the military there are and that's why most people join the military they don't join out of this you know i'm i'm patriotic as fuck from small town america you know they come from all over the place and their circumstances are as varied as their faces are uh, you know, they come for travel, they come for, you know, for college, they come, majority of them, I think, because I was a Navy recruiter as well, and I recruited in Arkansas, as a matter of fact, not being from here originally, but I recruited in Mountain Home, and I put in a lot of people into the military, and they joined because their circumstances in life fucking sucked, mm -hmm. and they wanted a better life, and this was just their best option. And, and I put these guys in, but they were like me. I was only 21, 22, 23. Well, high school, four or five years. It was still real fresh for me. So talking to these guys was like talking to some of my old buddies. Yeah. 
you know and uh, i feel that way teaching college honestly right it's like I, I got out five six years ago right right with my master's but i'm just like it, the it, community college i got a big range of people 40 plus in there moms i have grandmas right and we had seven <laughs> high school students graduate with an associate's degree that's crazy in december that's crazy yeah we were all we were lucky that that we were graduating high school <laughs> yeah same like i'm i'm like Okay, like I tell him, I'm like, it's bullshit that you get to get the social security because like they wouldn't, I was like, I was in a, excuse me, I was in AP English and they still wouldn't let me take comp in wow. high school. Like, uh, like they just, there was all this red tape you had to right. get in. Like, so like all, I knew a few people that took uh, it, the College of the Ozarks there in Clarksville. Okay. They took uh, either comp or college algebra and would get out with like, six or nine hours people getting out with an associate's degree in general general <laughs> yeah, education yeah. now i'm like what yeah yeah it's it's crazy well you know uh larry sharp i don't know if you know uh who he is but he's another libertarian up in new york and he ran for governor up there and as um their laws are different for third parties than say illinois or arkansas that's it's weird um how they have different laws for third parties in every single state but up there they, they needed some i think just vote total um to be able to become an established party and he was able to make meet that threshold and establish the libertarian party as a legitimate recognized third party there mm. and um but uh, that's somebody you should have on your show i mean he, he had some phenomenal plans and ideas about reforming education in new york i mean shit that nobody's i've ever i've never heard before and and i think while some people looked at him as being a lunatic you know because of these policies they weren't they're just so radically different than what we're accustomed to that it's hard for people to break away from this mindset of this is the education system i know like you know your class and as you said you know an administrator comes in and wants to tell you how to run your class even though they have not taught a history class in your lifetime you know it's kind of the same thing you know uh, with ideas like what larry sharp has and there's there's all these we need different ideas about education uh, entirely yeah you know the the buzzword around i keep seeing i saw somebody share something today in town was the, the reimagining of like we need to reimagine family <laughs> law we need to reimagine right but i mean and too some people like uh first person i heard say that was cuomo Mm -hmm. uh, of New York. New York. And um, as a bunch of people got pissed, like, who the F is this to be telling us? Uh, 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 has he consulted the teachers? <laughs> like, but I mean, that that was a great point. It's like, uh, but that's a systemic thing. It's like on the administrators, very few of them are teachers. And it's like, and if, let's say they were, they're, they're casting their opinion over, subject matters that they have nothing to do with and they will never have anything to do with it's not a cookie cutter it's not a one-size-fits-all and that's like man a lot of people i know are worried about like arts and humanities in education moving forward like colleges still having liberal fine arts degrees and stuff like right. and i think it, that they will but i mean there's there's issues across, like with funding and it's just like it doesn't make any sense like when tech's closing down freaking out saying they're not going to give students their money back there was construction going on on campus every single wow. day wow. like like multiple and they're gonna keep the money though yeah it's not a student's fault it's like literally it's like you're you're worried about money but it's like you are paying people's checks right week in week out whole crews of people with machinery like no i mean 
it's no a lot telling. of money. I mean, like they're breaking a building over there. They're um, what that building that caught fire. They're rebuilding it. Oh, like yeah. all of this. Like that's two different projects that are just like riding close. Because I ride my bike through campus almost every day. Like right. I'll go. I'll leave here. Go get coffee and come back down back like by phoenix and stuff on the other end right i'm just like man like so they're spending a lot of money they are and like when i was on campus they had so many uh, projects going it's like but they like there's no parking garage like there's hardly any place to park over there that was an issue when i went to school there and there's thousands more people per semester than there there was i think we had ten thousand when i was just kind of complete economic mismanagement yeah yeah university yeah and it's like and two like well luckily i guess telling somebody with their business yes we're fine like we don't need to shut down again that would suck if we do shut down again the government better give us more money and uh, we could sustain another shutdown like the one we just had, but we do not want to have to do that. Right. What this is kind of told me is like, okay, I was just saying that I had a plan for the worst thing. Right. Like, right. like I really <laughs> yeah, didn't. No, like, <laughs> like, no, this is like, now it's serious now, fellas. Like, <laughs> but man, I think that it's going to force a lot of, like we were talking earlier with uh, digital broadcasting of city and state things and like i think that's going to i think that's that's the threshold that we're crossing as a society right now it's like this is the digital push like i've been dude i've I've had some anxiety about this whole thing like i've tossed and turned a few nights but it's like i just try and keep going back to the silver linings of like well we got to finish remodeling the gym way further ahead than we would have been like we got set up here in the studio like like if we were full bore like we almost are now like normally Corey would not be teaching a kids class in the day but we couldn't have kids summer camp right like, there are all these little things that went wrong it's like well we can't count for that we can't mm. you know count on that happening where so many people sure. didn't have their business set up to shit yeah i mean i can't i mean my my military benefits barely get me to the end of the month i mean you know i've got a decent home yeah i do yeah it's my dream home and um and and so i'm limiting my life to you know there's no you know i'm i'm not there's no extravagant spending i'm not out shopping you know uh, big expenditures or um you know going on lavish vacations i don't have it i mean i left the military and through my divorce and custody proceedings it decimated me financially destroyed my credit it just Dude, fuck- when your attorney was saying that like holy shit like well but i i felt i was like man that's like my whole education yeah like to oh, get yeah. a master's degree plus the interest while I wasn't paying on it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I ended up it being about 65,000 was my, my entire education. Right. But like I'm paying that back hardcore right now and I'm paying it back fast. But I, I think we have like three and a half more years to pay it off. Right. You got a while. And that's like, dude, that's actually throwing half of my salary from the university. Wow. At it right uh-huh. that's like every month it's so like i'll be like core i need this for the podcast she's like you goddamn student <laughs> loans <laughs> student um, loans brian <laughs> yeah so but uh, man I, I can't that's that's one of the reasons i want to talk to you is because like i can't imagine like it was actually that glass call that you lived when they were like this is this many thousand dollars and you're like for what right like, and i'm like man i can't fathom that i mean it sucks having to pay back my student loans but it, it doesn't teaching it's something I always wanted to do and that's rewarding. And I will say like, I lucked out, dude. Like I know tons of people with PhDs who don't have a job, can't right. get a job. And I'm teaching, I'm over here teaching full time. And they're right. like, dude, how'd you, how'd you do that? Yeah. And I'm like, 
I just always was going to. That's all I can tell him. I was like, I just did what I was going to do. Like I really just started adjuncting here in the full time spot. The guy has been on the job thirty years, retired. So I was like, right was there. able to. And they they were kind of like, hey, we would like you to apply for that. So some of it was timing. Some of it was timing. Just luck. Yeah. You were there. But too, I think like I think like yourself, I would have been assertive enough. I wouldn't have wanted to go up against people with a PhD. Right. Right. Like just at a, like, I feel like they would probably give that person the nod. I know it's someplace like tech, but at the community college, there was a guy that was, that works there that has a PhD that's older, that was going to apply and he dropped out. Hmm. I don't know if just so I could have, wow. so he, I could have it or what, but it's a young man's game, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they do like, if they play their cards, right. I'll stay there for a while. I've just in the short amount of time I've been there. I, I've never looked at my retirement. Because really? I'm totally financially irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Core, core runs everything. Stay and, away from it. Yeah, but I'm just like, yeah, no, nah, just I'm just gonna have these two jobs, and you just do whatever you want with. I'm not. I'm just not financially motivated. Right. I'm like motivated to like uh, do things like monetize my podcast and stuff like oh, that. Right, right. But I don't. I'm like, are you there yet? Can you monetize? I, I'm not monetized yet, okay. not, but I'm getting, I'm turning some corners, both like my views on the podcast. Like I've had a couple hit over 5,000 views on the oh. video. Oh, nice. And I'm starting to pop up on the gym and the suggested videos. So, okay. but I've only been working diligently. I've only been putting videos on the gym for three years, almost in the podcast a couple years, but dude, just figuring it all out. Now I'm like listening to books on the topic um, right? and talking to other podcasters. You're learning talking. the industry. Yeah. And it's just like, first I had to learn how to hook all this shit up. Right. Like, yeah. like I, like I can't do that. Before you got here, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I needed to hook the plug, the camera back in. Cause I like moved it over here and I was like, hmm. which hole? Just going. <laughs> yeah. like, like there's three here and I think it goes into this one. Yeah. But then I was words. like, I was like Googling it <laughs> and then I had to do like a quick test. I was like, all right, we're good. We're good. But man, that's the sort of stuff I had to learn that kind of offset a little bit. Uh, but <clears throat> we'll say I kind of am going to, I'm to a point where like I'm where I always wanted to be with the podcast. Right. Like this is like what you see in here is like the, yeah. the dream in my head. Oh, it is. Yeah. From it's, a couple years ago. Oh yeah. So now I'm just like, all right, I'm going to set a big plan for the podcast, and then I'm going to try and accomplish that in a short amount of time. Oh, I like that. I, I'm, well, I dude, like that. I actually, uh, you're going to shoot big real fast. Like, we're yeah, gonna run, and, we're and gonna I'm sprint. probably not going to get it. I'm probably not going to achieve all my goals, right? Well, you might not, but I'm definitely going to be way further ahead. Like, right. I'm just going to just going to dive in, man. Right? Like, because I've got way to do it. Got to the point where I'm releasing a podcast. I've got a schedule. Right. So Tuesday through Friday at 10, 12, and 2, 10 on audio, 12 on Facebook, 2 on YouTube. No matter what, I'm pretty much going to come out with podcasts. Like while I was traveling last Thursday, I didn't have it scheduled, so I just released it on Saturday. Okay. I released one on Friday. Or I missed a day because we were on vacation. But I just uploaded it the second day. But like I've got enough podcasts like on tap now that I can right. just kind of continually feed material. It'll be a lot better, I feel, when I get. There's a whole bunch of work that goes into it. Oh, yeah. Like just the uh, rendering the videos and right. uploading them. Like that uh, yeah. Mac and that bo uh, box there will offset a lot of my editing time because it'll render a video like four times faster for me. Oh, wow. The, it's so, got the, so will mine do that? I don't know. I don't. Uh, it, what's the specs on your... Is it a solid straight drive, do you know? Oh, God. 
Uh, see that's you're the wrong guy. This is an air. Ask me how to catch a catfish, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. <laughs> Something I can tell you about. Um, but this is a MacBook Pro, and I got a solid state drive, 512 gigs. But like, honestly, what I want to start doing in here is I want to get my own server. Server? Oh yeah, there you right go. to where it's like. Now I don't like I can save stuff from wherever. I bet you to I get the, one built. Yeah, uh, you know I've I've talked loosely about the IT department at. Um, Morrillton, like they're, they're well, and I do know some folks at Tech too. But the guy that runs that is like a guru, dude, and he's, he's got long hair like me. I told him, uh, like when I started working there, I was like, dude, I was kind of nervous being a long haired dude with a beard because at that time I, I had, and and I was like, yeah. but then I saw you, and I knew it was okay. <laughs> it was all right because this dude is he's just a total bro and he's funny and uh, but he uh, I've talked with him a little bit about doing that right and it's right. just like really just get i would want to get the wholesale on the right on the equipment so what are you like so the theme of your your podcast your youtube like what's the overall theme is it just kind of like joe rogan in general you know I, I I mean? to, i've been joking i'm going to start hashtagging arkansas joe rogan uh <laughs> but, <laughs> i like that well okay so arkansas joe it's the it's the culmination of all the stuff i have going on right so i do these spinoff jujitsu and mma shows right uh, and we're going to start on on Sunday mornings, I work out with one of our boxers. Right, okay. he got second Golden Gloves last year. He's, oh, nice! He's twenty years old too. Wow. He's had fifteen fights already. Been with me since he was how big? Sixteen, uh, one sixty-five, one seventy-five. Okay, usually that's a that's a big teenager. Yeah. So, like, what we're going to start doing? Like, I work with the instructors for jujitsu at six, and I work with him at seven. Then we're going to start like every Sunday as a part of like work, and we're going to do some mitts and shit like we always do. But we're going to watch a fight. Oh, we're nice. gonna podcast it so that boxing unraveled right Ooh. so like i got these spinoff shows about combat sports mm -hmm. so that's one leg of the podcast and like you're on a life unraveled episode so it's like trying to get people like from all walks of life like right. like whatever you know you're you're an activist and the things that you're into like let's talk about that right. because people can benefit from a conversation about this right so are you just kind of just I don't want to say haphazardly, but it's kind of the term that comes to mind. But how are you going about like finding, you know, your next guest? Like, is it is there a direction you're thinking about going? A theme you're walking yeah, down? Yeah, like I was saying, like, oh, hey, we should probably have that attorney on. Attorney, right? You know, like you just kind of ha uh, happen onto another topic, such as uh, yeah, you know. So you just it, well, and then like so certain communities I'm plugged into, like uh, my favorite band's Widespread Panic. Right, so like, uh, and other, yeah, a lot of people haven't, surprisingly. What are they, they, they rock? Uh, kinda, I hate to, to stereotype them this way, but like Southern rock, mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. it, but mm -hmm. Almond Brothers-ish, Ish, okay. but I mean, they're, they're great. Corn, I've seen them in concert over 20 times. Wow, like, okay. They're, um, so we're gonna go to a show. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've told me it's, about it, so it's, it's now good. you're kind of obliged it, to, you know, dude, make I, sure I, I go. Dude, I was so sad, I was, I would have been seeing them in Red Rocks this month. Oh, wow. And they are, or, or maybe it was, would have been last weekend, actually. But COVID? They, yeah. They've fucking, canceled all their shows, fucking, too. Fucking COVID. Yeah. It that's is, like, it well, has I mean, fucked up a lot of things. Well, Cora and I, I mean, dude, we've... <clears throat> We've been careful, but it's like we gotta we gotta have the business open right now. But like when we went to Florida this weekend, like we we're kind of paranoid just with all the buzz. It's right. just like uh, <sighs> like one uh, one of our uh, like our server is wearing a mask and like, but then the lady that brought our food out wasn't, and we're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like like I don't know. Like it just, it's weird. Is it going off in your like in your mind? Like 
this is obviously there's no common sense or rationale to what I just observed happening in this restaurant, but yet people are doing it. They're capitulating to it. They're being complicit with it and going, well, it's just, it is what it is for now, you know, and other ones are, they're really harping on, you know, this is, this is no shit serious. You need these fucking masks And it's like, which do you believe? You know, um, but I've been all over the fucking country uh, for the last several months, for the last four months, I've been traveling around the country. I'm in Chicago. I'm in Michigan. I'm getting punched by a drunk chick in Nashville. I saw that. I, <laughs> yeah, I got that on my phone, by the way. Yeah, it's how you were like live hey, and um, I've got like some, right after it happened. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got some unreleased uh, <laughs> video because she's screaming like a banshee, man. When the police, oh, <laughs> I, I was dying because the police officer's like pinning her to the ground. I'm still trying to like realize the fact that this crazy chick just punched me in my fucking face in this bar um, after I told my buddies, because I was the older guy, right? I'm 42, almost 42. They're all mid-20s. And so I'm like the the dad who's out there. And I see one of them flirting it up with this chick. And I could tell, I mean, from 50 feet away, the crazy was fucking just high beaming right out of her face. And I'm like, oh, hell no. And I told him, I said, we might have to do an intervention here in a moment. And um, and they're like, you know, they look at her like, nah, nah, she's, you know, he's doing good, man. Ryan's good. And he's got the gift of gap. I mean, this guy can fucking talk. And so he's over talking it up, but he's either too drunk or too stoned or both to understand what he's looking at is something with, it's rabid, right? Like this chick's going to eat him. And I say this to them, we're gonna have to do an intervention on Ryan. And they're like, nope, no, he's doing good. She hauls off and slaps the shit out of him I think two times and he's standing back there and he's bug eyed like what the fuck just happened he doesn't realize like it's setting in and then I'm sitting over there like I'm I'm ahead of him because I knew it was coming and I'm like yep now he fucking knows what I said and I said to these idiots I said I told you and here he comes well then she follows him I'm like oh my god and I've got on shades in this bar we're in Kid Rock's bar. And, and oh, dude, we were, so when we saw Widespread Panic at the Ryman, uh, like it's right up the hill from Kid Rock's bar. Oh, okay. Like literally, like it's right, right on the same street, <laughs> yeah, I think. If that's I might've been in there. I might've been in there because we, we bar hopped a lot. But so she follows him. And then, so Ryan's over, I think he was over here. So it was Justin, I think Ryan and uh, Shane were right here. And so she starts over here with Justin, who Hillary Clinton just that week had called a domestic terrorist him she tweeted my buddy's photo out and called him a domestic Damn. terrorist so i'm with him it's an interesting group i'm with by the way <laughs> and so anyway so the crazy chick starts with him and she begins asking him what realm he's from what powers he has and she's she, very she like must have been a wook she's very like 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 a witch and her eyes are just like this you know like what and she's asking these crazy questions and i know my eyes got to be big as shit through my shades because i'm like oh my god this fuck this is going to be bad bad i just see this going bad and she goes around to each one of us she skips over ryan goes to shane and then comes to me and i'm like just no eye contact don't look directly don't turn and look at her because she's right here like leaning around me and i'm like jesus christ this thing is crazy as fuck and this is not going to go well and so I'm just thinking, you know, be safe. You know, don't make eye contact with the animal. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, non-aggressive. Keep it short and sweet and and hopefully it'll lose interest and move on. And so that's what I do. She asked me, like, what realm I'm from? And I'm like, I, I don't know what I said, you know, Nashville or something. 
And um, so I thought she lost interest. And, you know, well, eventually that this guy she was with, he comes over and retrieves her and they go back to their table where they were at. And um, I can tell they're kind of gathering up their things and he's getting her to leave, you know, to take her out. And I'm like, thank God. Well, they go around the table. She had some choice words for us as she went around the table and they're going around behind me this way to, an, you know, to the exit. And something told me to look over my shoulder and I did. And so I turn and I'm like, I get to about right here and she's probably right there at the wall. Um, and she just runs in and just straight, boom, punches me right in my shades. Thank God they didn't break into my eye. Yeah. But she just cold cocks me. And I jump up, you know, and shove her back, you know, from like, you know, from, I don't know, from here to that wall. And I just pushed her back. And I'm like, you stay the fuck over there. I'm like, don't touch me. And I told uh, one of the guys, Shane, I said, go get, you know, that the police officer in the front of the bar. And um, so he goes and gets this female police officer. Female police officer comes in. And of course, my buddies and me are, you know, like she just punched me in my face. She broke my glasses. You know, you, can, you know, I couldn't see my eye, but, you know, I could feel, I mean, like it was still kind of, you know, pounding where she hit me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I just got punched in a fucking bar. I warned these idiots and I'm with. And this is why older guys shouldn't go out with younger guys. You know, I'd, I'd warned them, but I'm the one who gets punched. And either way, this female police officer tries to detain her. She's screaming like a mad woman, like, like a banshee at the top of her lungs. Music's still going in the bar, right? Like nobody can really tell what's happening because we're almost in like this exit on this side of the table on the ground. And so we're holding her legs down and the female police officer's trying to handcuff her. And it was just a scene of fucking chaos. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Dude, bar, yeah. Bar situations like that always are fucking. But I've got, I've got lots of material, man, that you could, <laughs> you could, you could put on your thing. Oh, there's the attorney. What's up, buddy? Uh, yeah, we're still we're still going on this podcast, but you can you can chime in on why you're still in shock. Yeah, posted this, you know, uh, uh, the, the video. Uh, I mean, you, you, what you Yeah, I made fucking history again with transparency. Look at that. <laughs> That's awesome. Fuck her. I'm glad she did it. I'm glad she's that stupid and audacious to do it. The rest of the appellate court, the appellate court says it's a final order, not an interlocutory order. Go back to the circuit court. The circuit court says, fuck you, it's an interlocutory order. That's awesome, man. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that she did it. I can't wait to see how, what the appeals court says about it. I can't wait to see. What do you I think? What do you, them, I love this song. I called them. Uh, I called the second district appellate court asking them, like, hey, how do I do this video with And they didn't know. We just fucked, we just screwed up and it fucked. Like, how in the world do you not know? Because, you know, I, I, I had this issue in the first district appellate court where I sent them a transcript. I said, I can't send you video. They're right back to the opinion. Oh, yeah, you can. You can submit video. I'm like, okay, well, then how? That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see how this plays out. I'm excited. I mean, I think we're going to have some great fucking material 
on uh, on due process rights here real soon. I think it's going to be fucking big. I mean, we're now we're now what a, a, a week? Uh, we're now what five weeks into Zoom hearing, and we got due process rights and the finding appellate court opinion violated on video. Yep, we need to start documenting all these wins. So when we lobby for and make the argument that uh, cameras should be broadcasting out of every courtroom in the nation, every family law one, anyway. I I I, did, I, I already videoed this to four or five different news outlets. How in the world are they not going to follow? Well, maybe we'll We're go ask them. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll take the maybe we'll take a podcast into the news stations and ask them why they're not they are not um, you know we'll get that out to the general public ourselves so we'll just go into the news stations and and we'll and we'll ask them we'll pull up the emails and show them where we sent sent the evidence to them and they're not reporting on it and they can tell the people why there's nothing stopping us from going going right back to the mainstream media and and. and and holding them accountable, right? If they're not going to report I mean, on it, this is this is so bad, Cash. That this takes us to another level. Like I'm, I, I am. Now, now we're in SOJ territory. I mean, she broke the law. I mean, she violated the Canada's judicial conduct video. Maybe she did that to get substituted. Maybe, maybe, maybe she didn't want to eat the shit sandwich she knew was coming. I, I can't imagine that she would do that. That that would be like like ruin your career in order to in order to get out of the case. That's, that's not. This is bad. Well, yeah. Like, this, this is any attorney that sees this, even the people that are against this, are going to see this. And say, oh my God, that's bad. Because what are they doing? They're trying to do anything to prevent us from from being appellate review. These people will do anything to make themselves shielded from any kind of accountability. Anytime. Yep, that's what we're fighting. Well, that's why you're so fucking awesome, Ted. You know you're like the best attorney on the planet, right? Yeah. You're gonna, hey, you're gonna be fucking famous one day, right? That's that's a Cash Jackson promise. I'm gonna get famous for getting. I'm gonna get famous for getting disbarred. Yeah. No, you're gonna become infamous for getting disbarred, but you're going to become famous throughout the rest of us when you do. <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. I might I might lose all the all of my military benefits for the crazy shit I do. You never know. Well, wherever you go, dude, you make news. I mean, it just it just happens. So you're funny. You you said you know you could make news on the podcast. You fucking deliver Yep. And they're gonna get a lot more here real soon. Wait. All right. You know that you know hey you know that hearing. If I'm telling you, it's like this. I I know this book is on it. Uh, you know that hearing um, in person, she's doing that to fucking put me in jail. Oh yeah. That that's a that's going to be a six month one right there. Oh yeah. So I tell you, if oh, yeah. if I appear in person, I'm going to be in jail for six months. You know that, right? You're not going. You know she's not going to give me no fucking three day or weekend. That's going to be a six month. There, they're going to try and shut me down for a while. In fact, under no circumstances are you stepping foot in that court. Awesome. Well, under no circumstances. I mean, I've changed my view completely. And, 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 I'm prepared to SOJ her. Good. Fuck him. We'll go to the whole courthouse. I mean, this is, this is SOJ shit. We'll go to the Chief Justice. Can we get Can we get him down there? We'll just go through his, his entire lot of fucking judges. 
Hey, can, can we? And hey, how about we we start a petition to have the fucking uh, the chief justice of the court um, to have him fucking uh, pulled out of office for not overseeing his judges? We'll cause a bigger stir there in the county. We can cause a bigger stir in the county. I, I think she's going to get popped. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in, in my motion for, for, to establish jurisdiction that she can be assigned under 366A5. Okay. Well, you do what you feel is best. Uh, there's no Are you going to fucking further proceedings? Not. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. You are not going to the court without, 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 without your rights fully, fully, fully protected. Awesome. You're a great. Court reporter I don't. Yeah, those fucking court reporters lie too, and manipulate records and leave shit out. So no, hey, hey. This is a fucked up. Yeah, is I mean, I don't know what it's going to take for them to to solve. Hey, for that hearing, we need to have Jim Bedell. Jim Bedell needs to be there as my ADA rep. So as my attorney, I, I'm requesting that my ADA rep, Jim Bedell, be present and that they make accommodations suiting, i.e. cameras and recording devices. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea. Yep. I, 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 we, we absolutely need to do Bedell. Yeah, Jim Bedell has already agreed to be my ADA rep, and he has already agreed that they are abusing me uh, using the judiciary to do it. We need to get moving on that immediately. Immediately. So, but but get get Jim involved, and we'll have Jim to be there to intervene at many points in time during that hearing. Uh, dude, I, I'm telling you, that what you're sitting on right now is absolutely dynamite. Good. Dynamite. Good. We're gonna blow them up. We're gonna just. All right, I'll talk. To, I'll talk to you later, man. I'm still in shock. I'm just, I'm just in fucking shock. Not me. I'm not in shock at all. I'm happy. I'm happy. Like, like I just, I can't see the reason. And she says because it's an interlocutory. When the appellate court and it says it's not interlock, it's not an interlocutory order. You can't fucking come in. You can in Lake County. You can in Lake County. No holds bar. <laughs> I mean, well, everything that you've been talking about is now proven on video. And it's not just her violating rights against you. It's her violating uh, an appellate court opinion. Yeah, right. She's violating three appellate court judges. If she's gonna, if she's gonna disregard three appellate court judges. What the fuck do you think you're going to do? Yeah, exactly. 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 She'll tell some appeal court judges to go fuck themselves, and the general public thinks that they're going to behave and follow the law. They are not. They're out for blood. They're out for my blood because they're angry as fuck because I have shit, I have shit all over their industry. Uh... I've shown the world what they truly are. The, the door is open and it's just getting bigger by the second. More people are starting to flood through the fucking gate and seeing what's happening. 
and it's, it's going to be a gold mine, dude. What what she did is it's a fucking gold mine, but it's just opening up the door to something far larger. Watch. I guarantee you there's a grand ass conspiracy in that fucking courthouse. They have weaponized that thing against anybody who who stood up against them. And I got I got oh buddies God. I got buddies there in Lake County with Black Lives Matter that would be glad to support me on that one. I just think she gets thrown off the path for for what she did. Well, I'm saying maybe that's what she wants. Maybe she wants us to get her tossed off so that she doesn't have no, to I eat. Mean, I mean, not just tossed off in your case. Tossed off the bench. Oh, no, I agree. Oh, yeah, that I agree. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't think she's doing that. I, I think that I think that she sees the, the, the wrecking ball coming her direction, and she doesn't know any other way to get out of it. Because who's going to take the case? None of those other judges want it. They know they know it's a gigantic shit sandwich. They don't they don't want my case. They don't want to have to deal with it. You know that. What other options does she have? I mean, I've tested to I mean, I've tested to transfer venue. I mean, it's all I told you. Remember, I remember I told you that when you first came on the case that I'll well, I will no, never we're get a. That. No, we're in that. He didn't. He I didn't mean, believe. I mean, this is, of course, I will let them change her. Of course I will let them change. She's not following the law. The complaint filed with the ARDC. We got a tosser, man. Hey bud, I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna jump too soon, but uh, I wanna wrap up here with Brian. I don't wanna keep his time time busy with yeah, me. I'll talk to you. Bye bye. Alright, brother, bye. Bye. See people people really don't under they don't understand the significance of what's transpiring in this country. Like, really get it. I mean, there is a war being waged against the state. And right now, it's just, it's it's all underneath the surface. I mean, everywhere I look on social media, there's all of these cases. I was watching a guy out of um, North Carolina uh, just yesterday, and he's a Marine Corps veteran, owns his own gym, right? And this is like, like how he makes his living is his gym. He's got like a, you know, a MM, MMA gym or a kickboxing gym or something. But that's his livelihood. And, you know, and, and he goes in this video and says, look, you know, initially, you know, you know, we really didn't know anything about COVID. And we, you know, and so we followed the recommendations that were put out, you know, for safety and, you know, closed our businesses and adhered to all of these limitations. And... But, you know, then it kind of became apparent when they leave these big box stores all open, hundreds of people are now crowded into these stores, that it wasn't really like the business owners, the people who need these their business open to survive and their employees because small businesses employ over half the populace. And so if it's like that nationwide and all these big box stores, chain stores are all open, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmarts, all these are open and all of these mom and pop shops, you know, lumber mills, whatever, they're all shut down or they've given them restrictions on it, on how many um, consumers they can have inside their, their business at any one time. And what does that do? It restricts the overall pool of businesses. If you had 10, let's say big department stores or, um, you know, one big department store and then nine other smaller department stores, you know, in the neighborhood, you shut down those nine for whatever arbitrary reasons they've came up with and you leave the big one open. Now, all the people who would have visited these businesses are now all in this business. Mm-hmm. And so now you have more people interacting within, you know, uh, you know, a smaller pool of industry. And so now you're actually, you know, force funneling the people 
to interact more and be being the more um, in greater proximity to one another. So it, it's self-defeating. It doesn't make any fucking sense to do that. And on a, I think on a macro level, what's transpiring is people from from all political persuasions are beginning to understand we don't need the state involved in as much as what we thought. We're realizing that there's no common sense in this. It doesn't make fucking sense, you know, where you can have 500 people lined up outside, you know, the unemployment office to file for unemployment, all in a line, all huddled one, two feet from one another, no mask, no nothing. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. It's like, you know, um, including the people at the unemployment office that work for the government right. that hate their jobs that hate their jobs and, and are going and going to do a shitty job like they're going to treat you like shit, shit. <laughs> uh, like i mean that's so that's something i heard uh, this is a, i was listening to an old episode on vacation i listened to these older episodes of joe rogan where he had this guy on who's kind of controversial he's been banned from youtube's name stefan molyneux oh yeah. oh yeah oh yeah. yeah i'm friends with him on twitter okay yeah i, I actually <laughs> hit him I, I reached out to him i haven't heard anything back and be like dude will you come on my podcast but i don't know i don't know if he's like super banned like oh yes because i can't like you know right. i'll come be on your podcast because i'm not as big as i was five years ago right. when i first started listening to him right but um, he's talking about like privatization of things like the post office, yep. like unemployment, yep. where it's these places that we get shit service. And on that token of what you're saying about these big box stores, like those corporations definitely pay a, a smaller percentage of income of taxes than Cora and I pay. Oh, sure. For this business. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. like we generate a lot of revenue through through the LLC. But in New York, they're talking about requiring restaurants and maybe hotels to get a different air conditioner to a, a, a certain type of unit which is right. like it's then people can't do it it's right. not it's not uh from from what i understand it's not financially feasible for, right. for most people most to be them. able to do right some right. some will but it's like uh these same states are, like those those big box chain stores corporations you just mentioned walmart lowe's home depot have been open without any air conditioning anything for this right, whole time right and it's like that's what blows my mind like with with like walmart like no regulations but it's like look how much they contribute well and and how much are they really enforcing these regulations and and how could they how could we expect our police because they can't exactly that's why you know, actually the mayor did you see russellville uh, they said they will not do the mask ordinance because of what you just said you, you like can't. If you can't the, the police know that and uh there's a buddy of mine he's a police officer here in the region and uh, sometimes i go and do ride-alongs with him and we have very frank discussions about what his job requires of him. And I mean, me and this guy served together. We're good friends. I mean, he's like a brother to me. He's not just, you know, some officer I went and did a ride along with. He's a guy that I'm close to and, uh, and considering family. And so um, it, it's, it's known amongst the officer community. These guys know these laws are fucking dumb. They know it because many of them broke the same laws before they ever became police officers. I mean, people think that most police officers are, you know, are, are just like these super righteous uh, pricks that uphold, you know, arbitrary laws. And yeah, I don't agree with them upholding these dumbass, many of which are unconstitutional laws. Um, but most of these guys, they made mistakes in their prior life. They might have had a DWI. They might have had, you know, a minor battery or something, you know, getting into a fist fight, fisticuffs outside a bar. 
they weren't perfect people. These aren't perfect people that we're talking about. And they go into this industry thinking, you know, I've tried to change myself, you know, try to be a better person. I, I go into this field and I'm dealing a lot in the same community I might have even left from. You know, and so then you're kind of viewed as a hypocrite if you're one of one of those officers or, you know, a two faced or whatever. Um, but most of them are just good people. And they realize for me to get my paycheck and my pension and provide for my family and do something that I somewhat enjoy doing, you know, maybe for the right reasons, they lose that enjoyment um, because of how they're viewed. And they're viewed this way because of the laws that were created that we agreed to. And you've, in fact, created a worse work environment for that police officer. If we didn't have police enforcing uh, the war on drugs, drug laws, my friend Jason wouldn't have spent 15 years behind bars of a 30-year sentence for possession of marijuana at 19 years old. That's another thing, man, the age. Like, dude, I was such a dumbass at 19. I was, yeah. I was a dumbass until I was 23. And then later on, years later, I went through a brief period of being a dumbass again. Like, Dumb, right, it's, right. It's like a cycle or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, anyway, that's you're, like you're when not I was perfect. No, when I was 19, I went to college for a semester, got a three, five and then dropped out and then dropped out three total times. Wow. I joke with my students about it every time I introduce myself. Wow. But, um, it, you know, it's, at that age, I was I was not making choices that were big picture, long term thinking, and it's like I feel like when we punish that demographic, right, in harsh ways. Like I have a friend of mine's son who is, and he's probably twenty three now, but he he went to jail for a few years, and he was in jail before he went to prison for mm -hmm. a long time. Like they they right. pin him up, right, right. And then, like, I want to say he, like, got in a fight in jail or something, like, in the jail. That jail. put more prison sentence. More prison. Yeah, and yeah. it's just, like, and it was literally over some stupid shit. Right. That, like, common mistake, and I, I just, whether it's marijuana or whatever, like, I know another guy here locally that caught a charge, like, giving his buddy some weed that was, like, nearby the high school or something. Right. And this guy's, like three kids now but like they they threw the fucking book at him dude and this guy's like at the time was 16 years old or something right ends up going to juvie yep. like fucks up his whole life right and like his entire life and i want to say he he ended up here's back on the state he ended up moving to like new york or something right wow and like his wife was going to school or something and he was like he had a felony that like they hit him with a felony, right? So he can't vote, right. but he voted in New York. Oh, geez. Right? They never <laughs> yeah. caught it. They, they never caught it. it. And then while he was living there, he oh. got his record expunged because it was bullshit, okay. right? It's right. just like, as he got older, he he, he was- Had a good track he, history, exa Exactly. So, showed where he improved in society and was no longer this horrible person that he used to be. Moved, rehabilitated, right? Rehabilitated. Yeah. Moved back. And then Arkansas is like, you can't vote. You can't vote. Fuck. And he's like, I've been <laughs> yeah. voting in New York, not uh, even before I had that expunged, but after. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it shows you too what an epic failure the voting system is. I mean, I mean, okay. So there's a requirement there that he can't vote, right? As a uh, yeah, felon uh, in that state. In some states, you can vote as a felon. Mm -hmm. um, in some states, you can't. And so, I wonder what that is in New York. I'll Google that real quick. Yeah, I don't know because I, I assume that was a lot same. of people don't realize that. Uh, in fact, in Illinois, it was that's how it is. But a lot of inmates were never taught. They were never told that. They never knew. 
um, and, and coming from a lot of the communities that they do it yeah yeah, you can probably yeah. see why, you know, there's a, a larger demographic that doesn't vote there from that populace, you know, that they think that they can't vote. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Representative LaShawn Ford, he's a, a great guy there on the west side of Chicago. And in fact, I've worked with him lobbying to uh, to change father's father's rights in the state of Illinois. And, um, you know, I mean, he sees it, you know, and it's uh, I've had several, um, you know, good conversations with him about it. And I bet you we could get him on your show sometime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he, he really fights for that inner city, you know, young man. Um, he gets out there and battles it out. And, and, I, and I think that, and this is a hard thing for me to admit as somebody who's more conservative, is that there are good Democrat legislators out there. And they're doing it the best that they can in their communities. And if I was to go into Southside Chicago right now as clean-cut white male and try and run as a Republican... I probably don't stand as good of a chance as, as uh, you know, a, a black man or a black woman from Chicago who's from that region. You know what I mean? And so we adapt to our environments. No different than running for office down here. Would you run on a very liberal agenda right here? No, you wouldn't. To get into office, you're going to run and you're going to use the tactics um, and methodology that's proven. And of course, you got to spit the rhetoric. You got to spit the rhetoric. You have to, you know, whatever the the finer talking points are for that day and the newest headlines. That's what you got to be up to speed on. And it's not really who you are as a person. And they do what they have to. And so Democrats who are in these communities, they're not going to get elected if they ran as a Republican. They might be more conservative than you realize. But they know, too, for me to get into office, I need to run underneath this blue banner and it you know with the letter d next to my name or i'm not going to get elected here Uh, and that's where a lot of gerrymandering is is taking place which sets the stage for that yeah you know something i've been i've been going down the rabbit hole on a lot of jim crow era stuff like listen a couple of books i've listened to recently uh uh, the strange case of jim crow uh, by c van woodward it's actually a book that i I talk about in my arkansas history course but great book and then how the South won the war. Oh. It's uh, by this historian, hmm. Rich, Heather Cox Richardson. But um, see, that's something that's fascinating to me is like um, the de facto segregation. Like so pre uh, or right in the post-Civil War as the West is expanding. So like this Heather Cox Richardson kind of argues the point that's like, here's how the people who drove ideologically the confederacy won the west wow right and she she hits on it a little bit but like in the west and the north segregation was de facto okay right so like wasn't by law right right so there's things like gerrymandering and stuff like that that goes on but that's something i've been wanting to learn more about there's a book and it's not an audiobook so i'm just gonna have to break down and make time to read it but the curious or the i always say the curious case Benjamin Button. <laughs> Benjamin Button. <Yeah>. <laughs> the strange case of Jim Crow North is one that's been suggested to me. I just haven't checked it out hmm. yet. But that's something that's that's fascinating. You just kind of assume like you Southern pieces of shit won't let those little rock students in the school. Right. But it's like that's not to make the point that these same uh, things didn't exist in the North. They just weren't legislated. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what? And, and if that's the case, in what all ways did they manifest? To this day, even you know it, it's it's funny, you know there's this there's this huge stereotype, and you probably see it or in, or know it that you know that the South is very uh, racist, and it's not in the North; it's not as pervasive. Uh, 
And I have to say, you know, from living all over the country, the most racist regions that I have lived in were up north, where it was more, at least it was more obvious. Like extreme north or like border states? With no, the south? like Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. Uh, Illinois. Um, do you have an opinion on that? Like, why, why do you think it is? Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, racism, you know, is a, uh, is a deeply ingrained uh, psychology mm-hmm. uh, that I believe, you know, stemmed from, you know, those eras of, you know, where they, they did treat, you know, blacks in such an inhumane fashion. And you have to, in order to treat a human being that way, you have to view them as not being a human being. Yeah. And so that in itself, I think, takes a, a, a very concerted effort because everything the brain says to me if you spoke french and you and i had never met and you've got facial hair longer hair and i don't okay everything to my brain says to me on a biological or uh, psychological level you are a human being just looking at you you're a human being right and we're hardwired that way uh you know we are social um uh, social species to interact and so we have to identify what you know what we are to interact with you know i wouldn't go interact with a lion um i'm going to interact with you and so there's going to be a deep psychology to somebody that has to convince themselves that you because of whatever arbitrary physical differences you have uh you're not a human being to me and therefore i have the right to do something horrible and evil to you whatever i want because in my brain, I have convinced myself you are less than me. And I don't think that the majority of people even had the capacity to do that. I think the ones who did are like your Jeffrey Epstein's, your pedophiles, your Ted Bundy's. You gotta be a seriously fucked up person. I don't care where you come from. I could go to Somalia, okay? I could be dropped in a jungle in South America and I've never been there, but I would never want to do another human being harm that I encountered because they were wearing a leaf instead of, you know, cargo shorts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they spoke differently. Yeah. Nothing in my nature, you know, no religious upbringing, just my nature as a human being of being empathetic and compassionate towards another person. Why? That's our natural instinct. Our natural instinct is to to protect one another. If you are starving on the street, you know, you get empathy isn't just an emotion. Empathy is a deep-seated part of our our brain and our makeup to continue the human race. If you see somebody, that empathy, okay, is also naturally driven, not just from what you were taught as a child and by society that you help people, but because it's inherently uh, natural to you to protect your fellow man, no matter where that's at. If you hear, heard a child screaming, a baby screaming, you wouldn't know it doesn't speak a language. It's just a baby screaming. But if you hear it, what are you instantly going to do? If you are a rational and a sane person, you're going to go and try and save the baby. Mm-hmm. If you're not, and you have the ability to disconnect from that, I think, these are the people that are oftentimes they are in office they are judges they are legislators they are police officers and they are seriously psychologically fucked and they don't care what they do to their fellow man mm-hmm. and, but I don't think that the human um, species understands psychology to that degree like I think that the slavery and everything else that passed down it has been generational trauma 
that why we have such widespread mental health issues is that think about where they came from. You know, 17, you know, 1776 kicked off for a reason. You know, they fled England for a reason. Why? Well, what do we know about? And you're a historian. You can probably tell a lot more than I can about the authoritarianism of, of, of England at that time. You know, the things that passed down from generation to generation. Think about how they uh, killed men, tortured men, you know, did the most inhumane things to one another and their children. Now, think about them raising children and their children yeah you see what I, I'm I, I think about that quite a bit actually and it like well, just with my parents you know i know like that's a great example but i think like like with how my thing about how my dad grew up what i know about how my dad grew up right and i'm like damn like how did if anything i think he probably turned out good <laughs> you know what i'm <laughs> yeah, saying right, like, right. Like he's, given his circumstance he's he he's, he's a good person but in terms of like some of the lack of empathy type type situations that i've seen with him it's it's like okay well it makes sense that but it's like i could see it being a lot worse worse. based off what little i know about his childhood and and stuff i'm like man but uh yeah that's uh but you know what i would bet i would bet if you rewound the clock 20 years he was a lot worse oh yeah because whenever i look at you today you know, the average person will be the best version of themselves ever, right? I believe that. So whenever I encounter you, I mean, you might be 80 years old. When I say the best version, I mean, as just a human being with the capacity to understand and have lessons learned and and um, have went through life, uh, you are the best version of you on that day. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole and just fucking lost it. Dude, I will say like, and you, man, you're a very articulate talker, more so than myself, even though I talk a lot. No. <laughs> but, uh, no, man, like you get to professor. podcasting and having conversations and making points and we're talking about something new. And, uh, dude, I get lost. Like one time, and I think about it a lot, I got lost in like the first six minutes of a podcast. And I was like, and I was, what was funny is I was telling a story about Dr. DeBlack. And I was like, and i do this sometimes and i always notice also like because like you know you just get curious it is almost universally when i have not had a good night's rest oh wow like i i I don't lose myself in conversation when i'm sleeping well it's weird right right like so like i've noticed it a few times recently because just with all the lockdown and like when we weren't coming to the gym stuff i had a few like toss and turn nights you know you know i noticed that whenever um i'll actually sometimes i'll stutter yeah I'll develop a stutter I've, I've i've had a little bit of that uh, i was just saying I, I had a little stint it was when i first started working at the university actually so i don't know yeah i don't know what was what the deal was and i haven't noticed it at all and i just noticed it for like a short little stint it's almost like my tongue would drag on the i bet you were because it was you were lecturing so long yeah man talk and, and you weren't you weren't used to it in podcasting and and everything and teaching here at the gym it's it's interesting i I would hear professors talk about that like oh man i talked a lot today i'm like get over it dude Dude. but no it's a real it's real thing i talk i talk a lot i mean i mean i do between i mean i live on the phone i live on social like it's my business and i have to for what i do do you are you like you get monetization from facebook i just got approval for monetization of videos on facebook see that's like my my like i made a post the other day like 
I'm getting way more traction on Facebook. Right. YouTube is like, it's not non-existent, but it's right. a slow trickle. Oh yeah, I saw where you'd posted about that. And I'm gonna make some, I, I learned some things and uh, some new tricks I'm gonna implement and things that I just wasn't doing, I should've been doing. But it's like, dude, when I share a YouTube link on Facebook, like people were telling me to do that. It's like, I get no fucking traction, guys. Like, right. Yeah, I'm the same way. If I take, you know, uh, you know, cause I was developing one as well, um, my own YouTube channel there, and I only, you know, I have a few vi videos that are edited and ready to upload. Um, but I also know you have to grow that following mm -hmm. and then, because I'm the same thing, I can take one of my, I can take a YouTube video, uh, and put it onto my Facebook page and it's still, it'll get like three or four views. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I go and do, I do a live feed in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's 1200 people watching at one time. Yeah. Uh, it's got a quarter million views within a few days. Dude, I've seen some of your videos you know, it's and like, I'm like, damn, at the, at the live watches. Right. And, well, that's, and, and that's my thing too, is it's like, I, so by all direction, I'm, I'm being take, taken down the Facebook road because it's already built. It's already there as my platform. My, t my Twitter's got like 65,000. Wow. And if I combine wow. them, and I don't do much with it. See, um, I'm going to make a, I've, I've decided I'm going to make a person, I don't have a personal Instagram. I have an Instagram for the gym, the podcast now, I put my clips on there for the podcast. Uh, and other stuff too, but I'm going to make a personal Twitter for Brian Wilson, right? And that's where I'm going to push right. whatever I got going on. Right. You know, well, that's a, people don't realize that's the place to do it. Like yeah, you, like you, uh, Brian Wilson, could get on Twitter, and it's not unusual to have you know, say Donald Trump Jr. retweet something of yours. It's not that unusual. Uh, he's retweeted my stuff a couple of times. I've had. Um, I mean, I'm friends with Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> on Twitter, man, and Jenna Jameson. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like my childhood dreams are coming true on Twitter. <laughs> you know? oh, but the funny thing is, I I don't really run it. Um, in fact, there's another guy, uh, Brian. I won't say his last name because um, he's right in liberal Chicago and he's in the union and uh, they're very democratic, um, you know, very liberal leaning there. And he's a staunch, hardcore Republican. Like he's like hard right Republican but he's good with my Twitter. And um, and so, you know, really, like, I don't know if, if Joe Biden's actually tweeting his shit or not. I'm pretty certain that he's not. Um, but, you know, it's like the same thing for me. You know, he's able to grow my page. He's able to grow my reach. Uh, it wasn't unusual for me to be getting, you know, 15 to 20 million impressions with a following of 65,000. Mm -hmm. So the reach is going. I'm like, it's, it's getting out That's there. Amazing. It's hitting a lot of people. He knows how to do it. But then, you know, like I'll look on Twitter and one day he, <laughs> he says to, um, uh, he's a man, he's a famous NFL player that plays for the Houston, um, for the Texans. And, um, and so that, that football player had tweeted something that Brian didn't like. And so Brian says, from my account, you know, you're a pussy <laughs> to this guy. And I'm having my morning coffee, you know, one morning and, and I'm going through my Blowing Twitter up. and I look at it and I'm like, so Brian on my Twitter account calls, um, was like Brian Erlocker, I don't know, uh, a pussy. And I'm like, you know, I nearly spit my coffee out. I'm like, cause I'm flying out of Houston all the fucking time. So I'm like, I could encounter this guy and get my neck wrung in the airport, you know, in fucking Houston airport because of Brian and <laughs> his spontaneous tweets. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. He helps to grow my page, 
but he does risky shit too that I'm like, you know, I'm like, I send him a, I send him a picture of the football player and I, I don't remember his name, but you know, he's big yoked, you know, jacked up dude. And let's not go after this guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not a black belt in jujitsu. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm a blue belt and I haven't rolled in a while. So I'm not that confident to take on somebody that size who might be pissed at me. You yeah. Know? Get up a running speed and hit you. Right. But yeah. But I mean, there is those benefits that you can bring in people who have more expertise on those and get them to grow and run your accounts. Yeah. And it's because it's, you know, you've probably already found it's time consuming. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, what I think I'll do is I think I'll like I'm just keep uh, continuing to build momentum. I've Mm -hmm. got some plans to further the momentum had been putting in the time and research and like I'm off this summer uh, from I did just spend like four or five weeks developing an online course which I didn't get paid to do nice neither here nor there (laughs) you're not bitter about that but uh, this summertime has in like the pandemic and everything's going has allowed me to kind of do some logistics in my life that I was already doing uh, it sucks that St. Mary's still closed that's where I exercise and like that part of my routine is but I'm still running and biking and doing things But uh, it's allowed me just to get a lot of logistics in place of like, okay, this right. is the, now I've got some time to learn some more things about my podcast. Cause dude, even being three years on the job with teaching history, like I always want to do something a little, little different. Like right now I'm redoing the old kingdom section I teach on Egypt, right? Oh, like, wow. So like, I've just like gone down this rabbit hole and I'm wow. like, oh, so I'm like beautiful mind <laughs> yeah. up here like oh, I see this connection I've never even heard of that's this that's a great place. movie by the way yeah <laughs> but it you know it's it's a lot of fun to revamp that stuff but it's like I go through those same waves with the podcast and it's like oh man I need to do this and, but now like having some time I'm like okay well this is what I'm going to do with my classes I'm teaching next semester this is what I'm going to do with the podcast this is what we're doing with the gym it's just allowed me to kind of just have some developmental time where I'm, I've been taught two online classes last semester oh, wow. or last summer rather uh, or two face to face I was there in person it wasn't oh. even online they make it they're like me going through the certification to teach online was like taking a college class online wow like I was like, you guys assigned me more stuff than like wow. I assigned my students. That's like, crazy. It was, I tell you, I took a course in an undergraduate called Intro to Educational Technology Total Fuck Show. Total waste <laughs> yeah. of time. But it costs like $3,000 or however much it costs. And um, more government layers. Yeah. Probably. And it was, dude, it was just like, it was like, hey, look at this app. Right. Figure out how to use it. Oh, you wouldn't use that for history? So. Like it was just like, it, but I, man, it was like very much so like that. It's like a cookie cutter process, and right? And, and countless professors older than me will enter into the class, and then they hit this point where they're like, I don't know how to do that, and then they don't finish it, and then they re-enroll in it the next semester. Wow! And like, I think uh, there was like sixteen people in there, and like. I saw the final count on people that had posted to the final assignment. It was like seven. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, they like got an extended deadline. I got mine done, fortunately. Wow. But I was one, even last semester, like they wanted me to go through it. And I was like teaching. Uh, and I was teaching, or it's a semester before last that I went through. I was teaching Overload, which is like an extra class. And mm-hmm. I was just like, they wanted me to develop it. And I was just like, oh, I didn't have time. Didn't have time sorry not gonna work on it at home yeah like like, but and then just being off this summer is the only reason i got it done i ended up going down to my office a lot to work on it because i have like multiple monitors oh yeah it's so much faster and that's with what i'm getting set up in here 
like I will be able that will be hooked into a TV here and a screen over there. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about it. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, dude, we're um, definitely going to have to do this again sometime. Yeah. Go ahead and wrap it up. I got to take Cora to get her. Her Subaru has been missing. We noticed when, like, uh, on takeoff, it kind of spark plugs. Maybe it doesn't have fifty thousand miles. It's got forty-seven thousand. I think maybe an O2 sensor. Could be an O2 sensor, yeah. Um, but uh, we got to get checked out, and we haven't found anybody here local that works on Subarus. Subarus. I got a number of a guy um, in Ozark, but. Hmm. we'll see what happens okay. so but uh that and um she got her window busted out of bonadilla what? on the passenger side but they th- and this is some technology i was like when we bought it i was like ah, this is gonna go bad mm. it has auto up and down on the windows okay it's so, like you hit it you pull it up once it's going you don't have to pull, hold it right you press it once so like you got now like you gotta do 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 right. do and it is right walk it up it's weird though it doesn't do it all the time it's honestly like when the thing's warmed up strange it's weird because like we we're having problems with it and we we're out driving around then the problem stopped and hmm. then but uh, when you say it's warmed up you mean like the engine's warmed yeah, up? yeah same thing on the takeoff really? it's like uh but like the window thing doesn't do it all the time i haven't i, I don't drive the super every day but um she's brought it up multiple times and then it was working it was working you know it was she showed me where it wasn't and then like it's one of those ones where you go to the mechanic you're like i swear it's doing this you can't get it to reproduce <sighs> and he's like yeah there's nothing there and as soon as you leave it's fucking it's doing it yeah yeah okay. so well and hopefully i don't have to take it to fucking fayetteville well i gotta change the pl- dude I, I, and I feel kind of bad saying this. I probably shouldn't say this, on a, especially if men watch this. But I haven't changed the spark plugs in that truck ever. And it's got like 185,000 miles on it. <laughs> and so I'm like, I got to change them. And now I've decided, because I'm such a procrastinator with some things. And um, and, and this is one of them, as you can tell. Um, but I'm, since I'm going to Orlando, I'm leaving here. I'm driving to Orlando. Oh, wow. I've driven that three times. Um yeah, I've not I've not made the Orlando trip from here, but um, sorry about that fly, bro. Yeah, I warned you, you before the before the <laughs> podcast. I say I think they're attorneys, so <laughs> I yeah. make a In fact, I killed one uh, oh, over here. I killed thank one you. earlier, and uh, yeah. But anyway, so I'm gonna go to I'm probably gonna go up to North Carolina because my oldest boy is in the NASCAR Institute. Oh, and I'm probably gonna take it up there and I'm like, hey, let's uh, change these plugs, me and you. Yeah. He's 19, man. I've never done anything really with him, yeah. Because his whole childhood, I was still in the military. And so he's just now, you know, on his own, you know, just graduated high school last year and um, is wrapping up down at the NASCAR Institute. Uh, he's got a couple more months there. I'm like, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to go to Orlando. And man, I, you know, I've been listening and I'm not done with it and I don't know what the point is yet. Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. Really? Have you read it? No, no, no. I haven't even heard of it. I think we should. I don't want to. Right. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, this is a weird, interesting book. I'm only like six or seven chapters in, but I was joking with people. I was like, yeah, I, I think it means that um, buy your bike online, not at cars, because they have shit service, and they lost Cora's bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then <laughs> told, awesome. told me that I didn't bring it by. I was like, no, it's, oh, it's there. But And learn to work on the bike yourself. There you go. Or... You, you have like, see, like my dad and people can help me. Like I have people that can help me, but it's like, a, I think the premise of this book is, I think there's some other things going on. I got to wait till I get to the end. Um, my psychology co- uh, professor, coworkers, like I didn't understand it till halfway through the second time. Wow. But moral of the story is, it's like it causes 
a lot of stress and anxiety that we don't know how to work on our vehicles, it but does. we have to rely on them so much. Right. And his point is like, uh, hey, and, and, and like the, it's always about these interactions with like, I'd be like, Cash, dude, we can go outside right now, bro. All you got to do is this. And you're like, yeah, no. No, no, no. I don't have any time for that. And I would say the same thing about this. But like the like, so it's about this. Uh, it keeps highlighting these situations. This one guy kind of knows what to do to the bike, mm-hmm. and this other guy and his wife are like so put out that their bike is messed up, mm-hmm. right? And and are like just like being irrational, like human right. beings are. And, and and then this guy wants to say something, and sometimes he does, and they right. like lash <laughs> yeah. out at him, and he's yeah. like, okay, I won't say I anything. I won't say anything. You know, but it's made like, him gun shy. It, it, but it's interesting. It's like kind of like the moral that I've taken away so far, and I could be totally wrong because I got more than half the book left to go, is like learn to work on your motorcycle. It'll save you a lot of, it, a lot it of heartache. It does. Well, you know what? But not only that, people don't realize how much self-confidence you build in learning something and – because you go, um, great example, my friend Claire, very intelligent lady, she's a CPA, ran for Secretary of State there in Illinois on the Libertarian ticket. Her and her husband, Brian, um, very intelligent uh, people, both of them just wicked smart. And But Claire's an accountant, right? That's that's what she does. And, and Brian, uh, he's an Uber driver, he's a political organizer. Um, you know, he he's not really your Mr. Fix It guy at the house. That's not Brian's thing. Me but, either, dude. Uh, I can't even put either. stuff on the yeah, wall. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me either. But, uh, but Claire, uh, you know, their dryer's broke, takes upon herself, looks at, looks at, um, looks online, some YouTube videos, tears her dryer apart, and uh, I think replaces the heating element inside the dryer. You know, and she posted it on social media. And I'm like, that is a magnificent example Oh, dude, Cora like changed a drain pump in our washing machine. Blew my mind. Like, dude, she like pressured. Like, I mean, I, pre- I can pressure wash, but like, and, and she guys is, still believe women can't do. She's Mrs. Guys do. Fix It, dude. Right. Like, I, not only that, like I was joking earlier, but like, dude, she does amazing things with our finances. Like, I can't. I I I, I would like forget to pay for something, you right. know. And she she would never do that. Like, oh man, I forgot to pay the credit card bill. Like right. that does not exist for her in her world. But like for me, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. if that shit isn't on auto repay, <laughs> that's like, me. <laughs> like I don't have time. Yep. Like, I, and I, that may sound bad, but it's like at the end of the day, I have two jobs, and then like really all I want to do is this one thing that currently pays me nothing that I have to spend money on. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's like, right. You know what do you do? But she super supportive and like she's like uh we were talking like the, she's the the yin and the yang for me like right. everything that i suck at she's like so good at and right. vice versa and i've like i've become more sensitive to that over like our relationship of like being able to look at like she used to ask me questions about like hey well you know what should i do for this i'm like Jesus Christ, like you're one of the best martial artists I know. You're asking me. Right. Like, you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Like I never right. understood it, but then I understood that it was like a, it, that was something else. Like her strength is teaching the kids, but maybe not necessarily having the creativity to come up with something new. Like, right. and that is one of my strengths. Right. right? I'm like. You're fuck, dynamic. Fuck, we're doing it this way this today, way. guys. Something and, and, new. Yeah, you know, and it's <laughs> like, but we usually do it this way. It's like, exactly. Exactly. You, but All like, the more reason to change it. You know, like I just told her something the other day. I was like, hey, you know how you're doing this in the kids class? Like, what do you think about that? And she's like, we're doing it. That's we're great. doing it. But it's like, I used to like, when she would ask me, I didn't get 
why I would just like almost be resentful, like to come up with the answer yourself, so. like I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now I'm like, okay, yeah. no, like I think that's a guy thing. Yeah, I yeah. think that's totally a guy thing. Uh, you know, with Marina, it's the same way, and she is super talented. Like she she downplays how talented she is all the time. And do you guys meet in the military? Is she in the military? Or is she well, in so law no. enforcement. Yep. Well, so um, I was in the military station stationed in Washington State. Had filed for divorce in July of 2014. I remember we'd been separated for two years already. Um, but uh, either way, within I mean, as soon as I mean, the, the I hadn't even filed for divorce yet. I don't think, and I was already looking on Tinder. You know what I mean? Like I knew, like I'm, I'm about to do what you know a young man needs to do. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was about to unleash the beast. And <laughs> you know, I went on uh, a couple of dates. I met Marina. Uh, on tender and um she was like everything that you know i had looked for in a girl and you know it's going to sound probably really shallow superficial or misogynistic coming out of a, a marriage and saying this um but i don't think that genuinely we spend enough time finding out who we are as human beings mm -hmm before we commit ourselves to a serious relationship with somebody else. And if we really don't understand ourselves as human beings after being with ourselves for 18, 19, 20 years, how in the hell yeah, can we understand dude. somebody else within a year? Or Talk about breaking cycles down, man. That's you know. how you do it. Like, and I don't think there's any resentment on like Cora's part, but like that, we've only been married. We've been together for 10 years, mm -hmm. but we've only been married for October will be four, wow. right? So like I was gonna be god damn sure right, right? and for, for the reasons you just said it's like look i've i've been with other people that was not good or it caused some trauma or whatever and it's like i'm gonna be sure absolutely sure that i'm right. sure that you were the person that that way i don't have to go through and i like there's like a long period and she brings it up sometimes there's a period where i needed a roommate and she needed a roommate mm -hmm. and i did not ask her to move in like but and you know it caused me a little bit a bit of financial hardship and stuff and i couldn't get a, a good consistent roommate and then we ended up moving in together but it's like i had lived with a couple of people previously and it didn't work out wow. and that was a hardship too right you know so it's just like i think that that's very important to like because for me i was like what you're saying i was like okay well i'm super fucked up right as a, as a <laughs> yeah. human being as i got some, being. some problems are. right and right. I, and i was trying to work through those and i'm way better of a person now than i was when i went back to college i'm way better of a person now than i was when i graduated my master's degree and it just progressively keeps getting better but at, right at, after i graduated my master's that's when we got married wow i think we were both out of college um and you were how old 20 i would have been 28 29 okay. and we're about she i'm about five years older than her so she just right. turned 28 right i so, was getting married for the second time at like 24 yeah yeah was not you know this idea and this is again breaking down that cycle it was the psychology of you leave high school you go off on your own you get married you have kids you buy a home you live the american dream you die that was and i was following that pattern you know the this weird example that had been modeled for me and taught to me by society of these are the reasons you go to school you go to school so you can get a job you get a job so you can make money you make money so that you can pay taxes you pay taxes so that you can have government and we City take care duty. of you 
right? And so you fulfill your duty. And, and human beings, I mean, we're a commodity to the government. Government doesn't exist without the people. Oh, I was thinking about like when you're talking about big, all those big box corporations, I was thinking about their employees. Like that's the incentivization because like you're, what you're saying is like, think about how many people work at these places. Right. Right. Like, and Sheep, we, and, farming and them in. we're going to give those corporations a little bit of a break. Right. Because their employees are going to pay the taxes. Going to pay the taxes. Right. Exactly. Like, but they yeah, get that's fucking passed off. They get paid either way, yeah. you know, and people are led to believe that it's just, you know, so if you let Amazon come in to, you know, let's say Russellville, Amazon's going to come in here and open up a factory in Russellville and they're going to pay no taxes. Well, the people in the community are clamoring for it because they need jobs. They're like, yeah, fuck yeah, get those jobs uh-huh. in here. And then when those jobs come in, that's great. Jobs come in, more people have income, uh, you know, uh, pensions, health benefits. Those are wonderful benefits to society. But if we don't recognize also the pitfalls, you know, we're setting ourselves up for more failure. And that, you know, the pitfalls are that you're going to expand, revenue is going to expand. And with that, the automatic need from government is also to expand. So as our society has expanded, so too has our government expanded. And with that, the more likelihood that state overreach is going to to occur. And that's where then we see these conflicts between government and the people, uh, because it's the police enforcing these ridiculous, dumbass laws that they say are fucking dumb. But guess what? It was all part of the natural progression of expansion. Did you Uh, watch Waco? Oh, I did. Oh shit, dude! Threw me like wow. turned me upside down and like shook out my lunch money and like, like I knew loosely that story, but I had to go back to school. I was like, yeah, oh, dude. Then I went this, down the rabbit hole. I watched a documentary on Amazon Prime. I think Rules of Engagement or something was what it's called. Waco Rules of Engagement. But uh, then too, I couldn't stop thinking. Have you seen True Detective season one? No. Okay, one of, one of the best shows I've ever seen in my whole life, dude. Like, like better than Breaking Bad, better than... I haven't seen that either. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that either. Like, I was thinking about Better Call Saul the whole time you're talking to your attorney. Like, he's the attorney <laughs> that, from Breaking he, Bad. Dude, he's amazing. But, um, yeah, that's... Uh, it's a super good show, right? Breaking Bad's also good. You should watch them both. I should. I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> see? Just see? So see? We're, we're hitting that... Th- well, we hadn't, like, we've taken a break or two, but we hadn't hit th- quite three hours, but we've been we've been hanging out for about three hours. Yeah, we've got some, you've got some good material, though, I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bet you can chop some shit up and make something out of it. Yeah. Well, dude, let's let's just go ahead and wrap it up, and I'll... Uh, I'll right, when man. I get this edited, um, I'm going to be dumping this computer today and okay. getting that one up and going, so... Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But, man, we, we definitely... I will... Uh, if you ever want to come on the show, let me know. Yeah. But I, I'm sure I will hit you up again. I'll, I'll like having uh like what you said when you hit me up about i'm ready to contribute to the podcast like that's how i think about it like yes this is a contribution to the content that i'm trying to provide for this line of shows right yeah right on bro that's good shit man appreciate you dude right on (sighs) i gotta pee oh dude i know man i went i went went, went peed again while you're on the phone